Hi, I'm Dave Baker. This is episode 31 of It's Pronounced Zine. On this episode, I interview my good friend Jim Mafood, uh, artist extraordinaire and cartoonist gentleman, a ma- uh, man about town. I think you'll like it. Let's do this. Here comes Dave Baker with the show, talking about paper publications you should know. Authors and photographers that are fresh on the scene. Don't be getting twisted. Twisted. It's pronounced Zine. Zine, Zine, Zine. zine. Three con weekends in a row, man. Like I, I like lost my voice and was just coughing for days and days and days straight. And I finally went to the doctor and was like, I thought it was because I was talking so much, but I'm like coughing and choking, and that's not right. And she, you know, checked me out and she's like, Oh, dude, you just have like minor bronchitis. It's not a big deal. Here's antibiotics. Rest for a week. You'll be fine. So that I'm good. But it was just, it was a thing where I was like, I caught the fucking con thing, but it's a weird form of it where I'm choking and coughing. Right. That's not, no. That's not just the normal con. Uh, I had bronchitis maybe like two years ago, but I was an idiot didn't go to the doctor so i was like oh i have a cold oh i'm coughing a lot oh it's two weeks and i still have this cold and i'm coughing a lot oh it's a month and i'm coughing a lot yeah 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 oh it's a month and a half and i can't leave the house and i've cracked a rib from coughing i guess i'll go to the doctor that's how far it takes for me to go to the doctor i mean i normally don't go to the doctor either but i was getting the coughing was getting to that where i felt like i was gonna rupture something inside me yeah and you literally cracked a rib i literally cracked a rib yeah they had to do x-rays and everything and they were like whoa uh take all of this shit (laughs) don't be an idiot yeah yeah it's it's just one of those things dude and i'm you know i'm a seasoned veteran at cons so i was like well i've been ill before after shows but i've never yeah me too yeah you take you recover after a day or two yeah but this one was like I thought I was fine, and that's why I said, sure, I'll do the podcast. And then Wednesday, last Wednesday, I was like, I'm nah. still fucked up. Nah, it's not happening, yeah. Not uh, cool. How long have you been doing convention stuff? I mean, I know that obviously you've been making comics fucking forever, but yeah. um, you, were you always like on the convention circuit? Yeah, I mean, I've taken breaks here and there, but I mean, dude, we started setting up in San Diego in like 98. Back when San Diego actually had comics? Yeah. <laughs> shit yeah um should we save some of this for the show this is the show we're just gonna we're just gonna Uh, roll right into it do we need to you can you can if you want i i go back and forth sometimes i wear them but most of the time when i wear them i end up doing since i can hear myself i end up doing this and then i just sound like npr yeah i mean if we don't need them you don't need them it's up to you it's up to you whatever you want to do um is my distance perfect all good okay um. Yeah, I guess so now that we've had this yeah, weird so, artificial sorry. break. No, no, I didn't. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe you want to maybe just introduce yourself. Obviously, I think everybody knows who I am. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. We had no, a good th- flow going there. <laughs> it's uh, okay. It's okay. But yeah, um, I should have told you that we we just kind of roll into it and then I record an intro. Oh, okay, um, okay, I like after. that. So yeah. it's kind of like WTF. You totally. don't really except I don't do a twenty five minute long, <laughs> super pretentious, angsty, angsty. God, I fucking hate that. Like, yeah. I'm gonna manufacture intimacy between me and the audience by telling you weird stories that aren't actually that intimate and just ramble for 30 minutes. Right. 
Yeah. Well, let's do it then, man. All we're, right, we're good. We're good to Who go. Who are you, my friend? My name's Jim Mafood, and I'm an artist guy living <laughs> in uh, L.A., and uh, I'm here with you, you know, yeah. at Meltdown, rapping. Yeah, totally. Um, but we were talking about cons. Yeah. And um, on and off for, like, 20 years, basically, I've been doing stuff, but... I mean, like you mentioned the San Diego thing, that was, it it used to be a real just comic book show. And uh, when I was a kid, I I made a a deal with my parents where they let me go out to San Diego in um, 1992. And I, it was one of those things where this will count as your birthday and Christmas present type thing. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was working for a publisher in St. Louis at the time, just doing like grunt work, like background inking and... It was how I uh, how I got like you know my feet wet with comics. Just these guys in St. Louis that were self publishing, and because so, you were originally gonna, you were trying to be an anchor, right? Yeah, which is mind blowing. Yeah, me, that and you. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with anchors. We every, a good anchor is fucking indispensable. Yeah, but your shit is so distinctive, and like the industry would be so much poorer if you weren't a human. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. I I just became fascinated with the art of inking and the tools, and so. This guy named Lorenzo, who was working for this company, Artline Studios in St. Louis, they were self-publishing. He hired me to to start inking for him and do backgrounds. And he was like 10 years older than me. So my parents allowed him and I to go out to San Diego in 92 just to check it out. And it was just a huge comic book show. But I was used to like swap meet style cons in St. Louis. That's all we had. So when I walked in the doors of San Diego, man, like my head almost fucking exploded. <laughs> and it was, you could just walk through the aisles and it was like, oh shit, there's Frank Miller right there, just standing right there. And if you waited in line, just a couple people, you could go up and talk to Frank Miller. And like we met him and Will Eisner. And one of the nights uh, that year, they had Jack Kirby's 75th birthday party. And if you had your badge from the con you could just walk into jack kirby's birthday party so i have a photo with me shaking hands with jack kirby the fucking king and he took time out of his schedule to talk to every person and you know i was like mr kirby i'm (laughs) trying to draw a comic and he was like you know just stick with it young man you're gonna be fine you know and it was like the coolest most humble guy in the world and this was 92 so like in the corner of the party was all the image guys jim lee mcfarland liefeld and they're all there shaking jack's hand just like all of us paying tribute to the master but i it was just like 1992 and my i was just like a kid and my you know like i said my head almost exploded that's it's my story is somewhat similar to that i was obsessed with toys and i i got into comics basically through toys because Comics were around, and I was really into Tintin. Yeah. Because I didn't really understand that it was a comic. I was just into boy detectives, and I read Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys and anything involving boy detectives when I was a little kid. Very cool. And then my mom was like, here, it's Tintin. It's the same thing, but there's pictures. And I was like, what? Yeah. I don't have to imagine it now? Yeah. And then, you know, over time, I kept drawing, and I would make make my own toys. I would take Spider-Man and, like, sculpt on top of him and stuff. And so 
I was reading Toy Fair, and in the back of Toy Fair, sure. they were like, San Diego Comic-Con's coming up, and there's going to be a new line of insert whatever shitty Marvel toy line, gonna, <laughs> right. the new Toy Biz, whatever. And I was like, Mom, we have to go to San Diego Comic-Con. I have to see these toys yeah. before they come out. She was like, all right, let's, let's go. And it was back when you could just go to San Diego yeah. and just buy a ticket and walk in. That day. That day. And so it was me, my two sisters, and my mom. We went there, uh, and I thought, I didn't realize that it was Comic-Con, I thought it was Comic-Con, like one word. Right. So I was like asking everyone, like, where's the Comic-Con? Is this the Comic-Con? They're like, kid, it's Comic-Con. Oh, oh. Right. Oh. And it was the same thing where the toys were interesting to me, but not nearly as interesting as the people making their own comics. Where it was like, oh, you're, you're not making the thing that's based on something else. You're making the thing. Yeah. You're actually here with, you know, insert whoever. I don't even know who I met, but... I met people making their own comics, yeah, and I bought a bunch of them, and they're in Arizona at my parents' house, and I was like, "These are the greatest thing." They probably weren't. They're probably, you know, but no, whatever. It, but they blew my mind at the time. Yeah, it's like you said though. It's just seeing it and meeting the people that are doing it, and even going to that show and seeing guys selling original art, like dealers, and being able to look at like. You know uh, Neil Adams' original pages, or uh, those original uh, Skate Man or, pages. <laughs> what, what, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just uh, like I hadn't. I mean, this was all pre-internet, obviously. So yeah. for a young kid growing up in St. Louis, like I was so limited with what I was able to be exposed to. I mean, we had like Comics Journal, Wizard Magazine. Eventually came along, and you know they the had, blessing and the curse that is Wizard. right. Yeah, and they'd have certain tutorials and would show photos of certain like drawing materials or whatever but you really need uh, at that time you really needed someone like i had with this dude lorenzo these guys to to show you like this is the paper you use to draw comics these are the inking tools this is a t-square this is how you use a t-square i was like what the fuck's a t-square and uh they're you know <laughs> <I'm> still like <laughs> right. a t-square. and uh the extension of that is when i i did all that through high school and then i went to um art school in Kansas City, and then I met a whole new group of people that were doing their own comics and zines and self-publishing, and some of them were even printing the stuff on campus, like, in the print shop. Fuck yeah, they were. On Offset Press, and I was like, wait a minute, you don't have to go to a photocopy shop? You can actually just print this shit at night under, like... The disguise of darkness and the, the teachers don't know about it. This is fucking amazing. Yeah. And so that was a whole other kind of eye-opening So were you, were you with Lorenzo when you were in high school? Mm-hmm. What was, what was your high school experience like? Were you, like, almost not in high school? You were just off in the corner making comics? Or were you... Uh, I mean, I was in high school and I had a very small group of friends that we were all, you know, kind of a cliche, like the misfit, weird guys sure. that were into comics... And, um, but my whole thing was like by junior and senior year, I was working with Lorenzo and Artline Studios. So I couldn't wait to get out of school, go home and grab my, the car and go pick him up and then go work on whatever it was. Yeah, sure. You know, and, and so for me, high school, I was completely removed from it because while other people were like, going to dances and trying to score dates like me and my friends no girls would really talk to us anyway so i was like that's a lost cause anyway i might as well spend my time doing something useful i'm passionate about this comic book thing and i'm obsessed with it actually so i'm gonna like go for it 
in that in that way and it was weird man cuz cuz like by senior year I we started getting written up in like the local newspapers in St. Louis and getting some attention for for this like publishing young company snappers yeah and, and and it was weird cuz like people started to find out about it and by the end of senior year it was like I started to get along with everybody in my class because all the barriers had been broken down. So it was like, who cares who's a jock and a nerd? Like we wound up like all partying together uh, that summer before we all left for college mm. where it was like, hey, you're the art guy. You're a dope artist. I'm this guy. Uh, this is the rocker burnout guy. This is the jock guy. Fuck it. Let's all smoke a joint together and have a couple laughs. Right, right, and right. And so for me, that was sort of a good send off to go to this very specific like art school where then I was then surrounded by four years of just straight like art freaks totally and you know dark emo girls who smoked clove cigarettes (laughs) and listened to the cure sure which is fucking awesome yeah yeah um so that it was like two different worlds right when uh we were in we were Emerald City and you saw me talking to Tim Vigil, and you said that was it you or this Lorenzo homie who went and partied with Vigil? It was Lorenzo. Okay, because so I wasn't old enough. You weren't old enough. Okay. Yeah. I'm. If for anybody that doesn't know, I'm kind of obsessed with Tim Vigil. Yeah. I. He's one of the most virtuosity virtuoso illustrators that's alive. He's amazing, yeah. but he chooses to make pornographic vampire comics, mm-hmm. and it's kind of insane to me and also completely amazing yeah like thank god you make weird vampire porn comics this yeah. is so weird i love that you were so dedicated to the idea of like satan and blood and back <laughs> pussy that you're just like hammering away at like these super elaborate drawings of like massive trees with every leaf rendered and then some woman taking it from behind and right of it. like what it's what are you it's insane, dude. And like I told you, I think in Seattle, I was at a bookstore in Oakland like a year ago and found a first printing of the first oh, issue yeah, of Faust, right. and they didn't know what it was, and I bought it for like a couple bucks. But yeah. um, at the time, I wasn't old enough to buy those Faust comics because they were behind the counter at the comic shops. And so Lorenzo and these other guys would buy them, and we would just you know, look at these books. And, and it was like you just said, like we would be like, okay – it's, you know, razors going into, like, vaginas and people's heads being split open. But the way it's drawn is, like, on an insane level of this guy could be a genius, mainstream, well-known yes. illustrator. Instead, he've, he's chosen this completely specific, fucked-up, dark path. But at the time, though, man, they were selling so many comics that I think those guys, him and um, uh, Dave, Quinn. David Quinn? Daniel Quinn? Um, David Quinn? Yeah, I, D Quinn. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. D Quinn. Yeah. Someone out there is freaking Screaming, out because they're like, yeah. "Use Google, motherfucker!" Yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> um, the, I think those guys were rich, sort of, anyway, because they were self-publishing, and that book was selling yeah. well. And they made a movie, which yeah. is directed by one of my favorite horror people ever, fucking uh, Brian Usna. Who's oh if, shit! If you haven't seen uh, Society, you I, I haven't. 
I haven't seen Faust yet either. Uh, Faust is, uh, so I think Faust was made on a lot of favors and a small budget. Okay. So it's not an amazing film, but I like it for what it is. And I honestly just love it because of the novelty that there's a fucking Faust movie. Mm -hmm. What? I know, man. Hardcore vampire porn comic that got made into a feature film? Yeah, it. Uh, Brian Usen is the producer of Reanimator and the director of Reanimator 2. If you've oh, seen those. shit. Okay. Yes. Um, he also directed Return of the Living Dead 3, which I really enjoy. Okay. Um, uh, he's one of those kind of schlocky 80s yeah. maestro, you know, it's kind of Sam Raimi horror, but comedy yes. but also horror things. With a punky kind of attitude. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Everything's, and boobs. And boobs. Everything's yeah. speed ramped. And yeah. there's lots of gore that goes like. Yeah. I like that stuff too. Yeah. I love that shit. And yeah. Uh, specifically, society is unreal. Okay, it's unreal. How good that movie is. Remind me that I need to. I will text you. Well, later. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Send um, me a link. Yeah, um, but we we don't have to keep talking about Tim Vigil. I I love Tim Vigil, but this is the, the Jim Mahfood show. Yeah, the Tim Vigil show. Um, um, I mean, uh, to end on the Vigil thing, though, it I think the thing that was funny is it's like. The cons, you don't know what you're going to get at Comic-Cons. And every con in every city is different. And specifically in Seattle, for some reason, you uh, you and I, you were at my table, and I was like, dude, fucking Tim Vigil's right across from me. I don't – do people know what's going on here? Do, do younger people know what that's about, that mm-hmm. dude over there? Look at him. He's just sitting there drawing, and you're like, I'm going over there to fucking talk to him. You know, and there's just – there's I've experienced that through my con career of, of like – Oh, there's such and such guy, or you know, I, it's weird. Uh, Bernie Wrightson just passed away, Rest and, and I had the uh, the benefit of having a couple conversations with him at different shows. And uh, once after Heroes Con, him and I were on the same shuttle bus together back to the airport. So I got to have like a twenty minute, half an hour conversation with Bernie Wrightson, just one on one in this shuttle bus. And I don't even know if he knew who I was or, or if I did art or whatever, but he was just a very nice, cordial, friendly human being. And we were, we were communicating and connecting as just people. Right. And it was like, dude, you know, Bernie's a genius artist, but fuck, he's a good human being. And yeah. I just had this crazy good interaction with him. And, and it was like th- those strange encounters, you know, you never know what you're going to get. That's the thing I love so much about um, the con circuit right now and granted there's a bubble coming it's going to burst it, like the the con thing is the same thing that was with the speculator readers in the 90s right the, the cons are prop propped up by a ton of attendees who don't read comics and eventually yep. they will die down after game of thrones and walking dead go off the air and the con scene will shift probably back to what it was and something else will come along right um or they'll just split off and comics will be their own conventions and video games and movies and all that bullshit will be another whatever right um but the thing I love so much about them is that the barrier to entry isn't that high. It's not like Diamond. Like, it's fucking impossible to get my books in Diamond. Yeah. Because um, there's a $2,500 marketing budget that you need to have per book that you submit, which wow. is like, you think I got $2,500 yeah, yeah, yeah. in a bank yeah, account? Yeah. I make comics. Yeah. They're like immediately cutting off 90% of the kids who want to self-publish who need to be in that book. Yep. By having that policy. It's awful. But the thing that's so great about the convention scene is that the barrier to entry isn't that high. You can get in 
if you're reasonably talented or mm-hmm. if you know somebody, you can split a table if you aren't accepted, whatever. Right. And then it's, it's, I mean, that's how, fuck, that's how I know you. Yeah. It's just from being at the shows and being like, hey, what's up? This is what I make. You're yep. cool. You're, oh, let's shoot the shit about whatever. Oh, we have all these common interests or whatever. I don't yep. know. And it's so positive. Like, yep. it's one of the few areas in the industry right now that I have just unabashed love for. Like, yeah. there's nothing really negative other than what I call, like, general audience shows. Right. Which are just right. soul-crushing. Yeah. Like, We've both done them together. Yeah, yeah. I think the last one, I don't think I even told you this, but uh, like 20 minutes after you were at my table uh, in one of the ones that was here in the Los Angeles area, uh, this little girl came up to our table. And this does not depict me in a great light. Right. I was, it it was, (laughs) look, I'm a- I can already sense where this is going. I'm a kind person. I'm a a well-meaning individual, but sometimes I just get pushed and it just- I just, you know, you, you kind of have yeah. a little moment. And this, the whole day, people had been coming up to our table and be like, hey, you want to check out my comic? Oh, I don't read comics. Hey, you want to check out? Oh, I don't read comics. For literally like six people in a row, which is like, I, I get it. You don't read comics and I'm trying not to be belligerent, but like, fuck. Yeah, no, I like, feel you, man. God, this is what I'm here to try and do. And like, none of you motherfuckers are even willing to just even look at it. I don't even care if you buy it. Just, yeah evaluate it maybe it's something you're into maybe it's not i feel like it probably is right but maybe it's not so after a torrential downpour of you know general audience attendees this little girl comes up to the table and she's like trick or treat and i'm like what and she's not even in a costume and she hand, she pulls up a bag and she goes trick or treat wow and i'm like i just i'm like this is my job like i what yeah. why are you here what no <laughs> this is my job and she kind of got like crestfallen and walked away and i felt so bad instantly i felt uh, so yeah, bad it, it's because it, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't i wasn't angry at her i'm angry at the convention organizers who promote it as a fucking trick-or-treating stop yeah i know Come halloween on. weekend for that show yeah. And, um yeah there's an odd thing happening with with like you said general audience people that don't understand like the dynamic of how it works or that people are kind of depending on these shows to sell, promote and do their thing. And they're kind of, you know, wandering around looking at all the buzzing lights and strange you know, they're just walls of prints. Yeah. That are, you know, those <laughs> the Deadpool face wall. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, you, you were talking about the cons changing, transitioning. The one thing that I can't wait to happen is, is for that print wall phenomenon to, to crash and burn to go away God, guys using shitty photoshop to trace photos to, to, to it it to me it demeans the art and I, i'm not trying to sound like pretentious but it's like it it's just it, it's bad it's silly it makes it makes the rest of it uh, what's going on look bad and i'm just curious i mean even further from that which i agree that that shit needs to go mm-hmm. but i am curious to see what happens in the next couple years if Disney or Warner Brothers is going to stop not enforcing their copyright stuff, their copyright. Oh, thing, yeah. Know? Like, just even just fan art in general. Like, mm-hmm. if we go into a convention and there's somebody with it, because WonderCon makes you sign a fucking, which is this coming weekend. Are you are you going to be? Oh, no, you're not going to be there, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I will have a table there. C35 for any who are excited. Everybody about, cruise by. Yeah. Do not bring a trick-or-treat bag. <laughs> Don't, do please. Do not bring please a trick-or-treat bag. Please do not bring a trick-or-treat bag. Um, 
But uh, WonderCon makes you sign a a copyright infringement disclaimer saying, I will not sell anything that's of copyrighted material. Wow. Which is... See, I like that. I do too. Except nobody fucking does that. Oh. Like, everybody still sells Batman drawings. So just ignore and, it. Yeah, everybody ignores it, which is like... But when does the when does the you know they kicked out all those bootleg DVD sellers from yep. like ten years ago? Like I'm, none of those guys are there anymore. Yep. So when it's, is that hammer going to fall? It's interesting. I mean the the thing that they're most worried about with the movies and everything is fan backlash. Yeah. So I personally think that the reason why they look the other way on the whole con thing is they don't want. The, the massive fan backlash to be like, what do you mean such and such artists can't sell a Batman print? Yeah. So it, it's one of those weird things, man, that's existed forever since I've done cons where other outsiders that come in with me will be like, how are people getting away with selling their own version of Superman? Yeah. And it's like, it's this weird trick thing where the corporations look the other way because A, it's free advertising for their character and their property. B, like I said, if they get rid of it, they don't want to risk losing any fandom. Yeah. And it's but sort every, of... But every once in a while, they pull weird shit. Like, yeah. remember when, like, Sean Gordon Murphy had that Wolverine ABCs thing that they sent him a cease and desist over? No, I don't so know. So he what... did, like, a series... I don't remember if it was a book or a series of prints where he just... It was the alphabet, but where every letter was Wolverine posing. So let's say he's doing this, and it's an A, or he's doing oh. this, and it's a B. And he did, you know... The whole alphabet with different era of Wolverine's costume and oh, facial shit. get up okay. or whatever. Okay. And, you know, he was a known artist at the time. He wasn't yep. probably what he is now, but he was a known artist. And uh, they were like, nah, fuck you, son. Don't do that. And they by, s- by doing that many prints, I, I'm assuming he just took it too far. I get. I don't know. But, then like but do those th- are dudes who make a whole wall of them, though. Yeah, I. Uh, and good he point. actually yeah, works for Marvel. Yeah. Or worked. For Marvel, yeah, like I or DC, whoever he's but he's done big two work, yeah, which is like what what I yeah. don't know I don't know it's almost like they kind of make it up per case or per totally. situation like and the Gary Friedrich lawsuit where they like he was suing for the rights to Ghost Rider because he co-created oh, Ghost right. Rider and then they countersued him and like they won and they were like you've been selling Ghost Rider merchandise that you didn't pay us royalties for so you owe us eighteen thousand dollars is that what it came to yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. Which is like Gary Friedrich? Who you really think Gary Friedrich yeah. has eighteen thousand dollars? Yeah. Like no offense, but like Gary Friedrich and Tony Isabella are hanging out on the old man corner of the internet writing blog posts that nobody reads. Right. It's like, ah man, I know. It's I mean I'm the only you know, the only thing I do is I have a tank girl print and, and you worked on the book sketchbook so. that I sell, but I got permission from the creators to do that. Yeah. And you know, it's I'm I'm trying to go in the direction, especially since I have my own creator own book coming out from Image this year, Girl Scouts in May. Um which shameless we, we, plug. Which we can talk about. Shameless plug. We, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about um, it. That I'm trying to go in the direction of everything on my table is my own shit anyway. Yeah. And that's why, like, when I meet new guys like you and Nicole, I, like, when I saw your table, I think, in October last yeah. year, I was like, wait a minute. What? Wait, I know these guys. Are How do I not have these books? This is yeah. all its own complete universe here on this table and it's all designed in a specific way it looks great the presentation's awesome and it's like that's the kind of shit that i'm most attracted to now yeah and discovering that new kind of talent 
at conventions, I think is like the most exciting thing. I agree too. And unfortunately, it's so hard because even people who do make their own shit think that they have to lure people in with a Blade Runner print or a right. Batman Begins print or whatever. So as you're walking by, it's like, oh, that's a fucking another booth with Batman. Right. Well, n- maybe it's not. Maybe those people have a really cool book that's just hidden behind that. Right. For me, I mean, I, I know I'm probably the uh, abnom- anomaly in this, but if I see a giant Batman print, I'm probably not going to go over to the table. Right. Most people are probably the other way, though. Where yeah. They see the Batman and they're like, oh, that's a cool Batman. Yeah. Well, people love what they already know. Like they love – like if you go to McDonald's, you usually order the same shit o- over and over each time because you love that mm-hmm. item. Mm-hmm. So when people – it's brand recognition. When they're walking down the aisles, you can – I can I hear people. I'm like – little kids like, Daddy, look, Batman, Spider-Man, blah, 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 whatever. I mean people do it with my Tank Girl print, man. Like I'm guilty of it too. I lure – people in with that tank girl image it's the most viral thing i've ever drawn it's her sexy kissing a machine gun it's the cover to the book mm-hmm. i did and um but people come in and and then but i mean my sales pitch though is like hey if you like this girls with gun thing i do my own creator own thing called girl scouts and it's also hot girls with guns like blowing shit up so you know, maybe try – it's from the same pool of, yeah, yeah. of, of stuff, yeah. so maybe try my Jamie version. doesn't care about Kangaroo anyway. He's off doing gorilla stuff. Right. Well, I still care about my shit. What's up? What's right. up, retailer? What's up? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's cool having the blessing of yep. those guys. Of course. Those British chaps where they're like – you, you, you can have your little print in your sketchbook. It's fine. But yeah. they're like, don't make, you know, toys or, or – t-shirts like don't like keep it within within reason you yeah. know what i mean and so that that's what i've done and right. but the rest of it is like well now i'm just trying to hype my shit my brand which is my drawing well, style I feel like you also too as an individual have been pretty balanced in terms of that's something i struggle with and just mentally calibrating um balance in mm-hmm. terms of like work for hire creator-owned, the varying degrees of creator-owned, because most people think that, you know, if something's not Marvel or DC, the creator's on it, which is not true. Stuff at Dark Horse is like 50% owned by Dark Horse. Right. Boom owns 50% and all the movie rights, more or less. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of shitty. But that's something that I struggle with, where I am I kind of have this DIY zine punk kid thing where I'm like, nah, fuck you. Yeah. I want to own my shit. Yeah. Uh, and we've been offered a couple contracts this year, and we've turned them down because... Or either we've turned it down or they've fallen apart or just wasn't right, mostly just because there were varying degrees of these are the, the – of the ten things that are on the table, you're going to give us four of them. Right. And that may have been a fair deal, but I was like, no, fuck you. There's yeah. ten things on the table and I should have nine of them and you should have one because I made all ten of them. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think, you know, you can just look at your bibliography and, as a career and be like, oh, you've you've done stuff at Marvel, but you, I wouldn't personally say you sold out. You were like, oh, you did your thing oh, at yeah, Marvel. Yeah. Like, they came to you and were like, hey, we want to do a weirdo indie thing. Yeah. You want to party? And that's all the those things were, like little yeah. one shots or a two yeah. issue thing here or there. Or even that... the big break clerks. I mm-hmm. mean, that, I, that's, that shit's fucking great. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I mean, that was, and that all came about because... I did that weird Generation X underground special at Marvel, which was based off of this book I self-published called Cosmic Toast in 1996. And I showed that to Scott Lobdell, who was writing most of the X-Men books at the time at a convention. He brought that back to New York and showed it to a young editor in the X-Men office named Jason Liebig. He was an assistant editor. 
And Jason called me and was like, we were originally going to do a Generation X annual. And then Jason liked Cosmic Toast so much that he was like, why don't we just do this but with Generation X? And we'll even publish it on like the same paper stock. And, and I'm like, you're going to get this cleared through Marvel? And at the time, the X-Men offices were in disarray. There, there was something happening. And he snuck it in under the radar. And the book came out. But those samples of that book are what I showed Kevin and Bob Shrek in San Diego in 97 that got me the clerk's gig. So mm. all of it was was looked like and was inspired by this creator-owned, self-published shit I was doing anyway. Mm-hmm. And Shrek was smart enough to be like, Let's get an unknown to draw the Clerks comic. Because Kevin wanted to go with, like, a big-name mainstream you, artist. Was there a person specifically? It was Joe Casada. Oh, that would have been so weird. Yeah. What? Yeah. Casada? Yeah. That's so weird. So Kevin wanted Joe and Bob. It's weird, man. It's kind of like... Like um, Randall with, like, 7,000 <laughs> muscles and, like, fisheye warped view. Like, it's ca- what? It's, uh... It's kind of like, and this is it might be a strange comparison, but it's kind of like I saw a documentary about Richard Donner talking about the first Superman movie, mm-hmm. and everyone wanted all these famous actors audition, but they chose Chris Reeve because Richard Donner was like, "You need an unknown to play Superman because if it's Tom Selleck, everyone's just going to see Tom Selleck wearing a stupid Superman outfit." Yeah, Shrek was smart enough to be like, "No, no, Kevin, you're the main draw in this book. Your name is going to sell the book. Yeah, you don't need." another name or a superstar artist. You want an unknown to, to, to make this a brand new thing, a fresh, weird but thing. But that just, that just goes to show, A, the genius of Bob Shrek, uh, and B, uh, to, the, the genius of Bob Shrek to, to, to think that you would be able to execute that because I'm not going to lie, there's a fuckload of words in those comics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I write comics. I like to put words in comics. That is a movie script that somebody gave to you and was like, make it a comic! Yeah. And they're great. I love them, but they're movie scripts. Oh, like, completely. There's so many words on those pages. Yeah, and that was the challenge for me. It was like, Kevin was the first writer I ever worked with. I was always writing my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And so to get the script, I was sort of like, where are the drawings going to go? Like, in these panels, like, where? And so, I mean, luckily, Shrek was my editor and kind of like my coach through all of it. And... This was back in the day where, like, you would pencil the page. I would pencil the pages, then I'd FedEx them to the guys at Oni in Portland. And they'd look at them, and then they would FedEx them to Sean Conant, the letterer. And Sean would letter directly on the the boards, and then he would FedEx them back to me. And so I'll never forget this, man. The first time I got the first batch of the lettered uh, pages, I took them out of the FedEx box, and I was like, holy shit, it, it looks like a comic book. <laughs> it looks like a rook. And I was so excited. And Sean even um, inked all my panel borders for me, which I didn't know that letterers did that. Maybe it was just Sean. But having all the lettering in there and, and some of my pencil drawings I had to tweak just to s- seeing the actual lettering to make it. Make somebody's head lower. Yeah, or exactly. Or whatever, yeah. But, but that really helped me immensely was having that lettering stage come in between me and the inking, you know? And then, I, you know, it was almost like I was responding to some of the things Sean was doing. Mm. And Sean would even call me and say, dude, I, I got to tell you, page seven, panel three, you have to completely repencil it because there's so much dialogue and a sound effect. You're draw- I don't know where you're 
drawing supposed to go. So you're basically going to draw a little head in the corner. And every artist, I love Kevin Smith, dude, but every artist who worked on the Clerks comics that I talked to, it was the same thing where they were like, yeah, there's just certain panels where there's like a little head in the corner of the panel saying this giant thing. Yeah. You know, but it's it's um, it's funny to me, too, because I one of the like golden rules of comics, like the people who are into the technical nuts and bolts is the, you know, the Weisinger principle of no more than 32 words per panel. Right. Which I don't know if I necessarily agree with, but that's a thing that has been passed down since 1966 yeah. or whenever more Weisinger was like, no more. Than 32 words per panel. I, know. I still violate that. Me too. I don't really agree with it, but there is something to be said of... I don't know. There's something to be said with realizing that time is physical space on the page, and there are sometimes better ways to solve problems than have people say things. Yeah. Because it's a visual medium. Sometimes it's great, and sometimes... Having Aaron Sorkin walk and talk style things are fucking awesome in comics. If you do it the right way, right, they can also be the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it's interesting. Every writer I've worked with is different, and I even worked with uh, Matt Wagner once on a Grendel black, white, and red story, and he did it. I guess you call it the old-fashioned Marvel way, where since he's an artist, he just sent me this weird plot synopsis thing of like hey page one I think there's like four panels here's what's happening there's a guy running down the street and I would lay all this out and then send him the layouts and then he would script according to that mm. you know and, and for me as a visual guy we're both visual guys that w- made way more sense to me yeah. because I, I could then say hey Matt what if I what about this idea can I throw in one extra panel that shows him throwing the gun or whatever is happening and he'd be like sure 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 or he would have an idea where you know um but honestly man it's i'm 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 better off just writing and drawing my own shit for comics that that way because it's to to be in charge of all of it the pacing and the way i did the new girl scout series is like i'll type out sort of a script for myself and then i print that out and i draw my thumbnails on those pages but then while I'm actually penciling on the boards, I'm sometimes adding and subtracting panels and then making a note saying, oh, this needs dialogue or this is and, – and then it's just this – I kind of like Frankenstein it all together. And then there's also the whole thing of like I'm big on like background jokes and stuff. And so even with Tank Girl, Alan would send me scripts, but then he'd say – Draw this however you want. And Tank Girl's hair, her outfit can be however you want. Put in fucking background jokes. Puppets talking in the background. I don't give a shit. I'm like, great. That's that's gold for me. And so that's what I did. I mean, there's panels where Alan and I are like arguing about the script in the background. And it's all me writing and drawing this shit of me being like, Alan, what is this? And, it, you know, I send him this stuff and he's just like... You're a madman. I love it. You know, or whatever. You know, and he's. It, you you kind of have to if you're going to collaborate. Like for me, if I'm going to collaborate with someone, they have to be playful in that way and not precious with what they're giving me. Totally, they have to know that I do the, my own weird thing, and if they're cool with that, then the collaboration is going to be awesome. Was it hard when you first started working with writers though to like establish that? Uh, 
I always got kind of lucky because the guys I worked with, like Bendis at Marvel, he's also a visual guy, an artist, and knows that I'm weird unto myself. So he... His scripts, too, are pretty... I wouldn't say empty, but they're they're very... You can They're vessels. You can fill them with whatever yeah. you want. They're not tons of descriptions. It's like six panels. Panel one is this. Panel right. two is this. Panel three is this. Panel totally. four, five, six. All right, do whatever you want. And everything he we worked on together was all humor-based anyway. So Because oh, yeah, you did What If stuff? Yeah, the I did. What If? I did the... Or no, the ultimate team-up. Yeah. Ultimate team-up. I sorry. did the Fantastic Four one, and then you're on the right track. We did this weird comedy book in like... 05 called Wahan. Oh, right. And this right. was Bendis's brainchild. It was like a tribute to um, What The mm-hmm. that Marvel did in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, dude, the weirdest thing is the writers on Wahan, the list is like the guys I worked with. It was Bendis, Mark Millar, Brian K. Vaughn, Ed Brubaker. And some of these guys were just writing one pagers or two pagers. Mm-hmm. But the amount of talent he got for yeah. this one stupid issue which probably sold like 5000 copies because it's what? a comedy thing and nobody buys comedy yeah shit. yeah and and um it's funny because marvel put out this weird secret wars supplemental trade last year or whatever but waha was collected into that trade and huh. so they sent me a comp of it i didn't even know it was coming out but the interesting thing about doing things from marvel sporadically is like i'll occasionally get a royalty check once a year from them for like twenty dollars. It's it's for some Spider Man shit that was in a trade that it's like the ultimate Bendish Spider Man thing right. or whatever. And it, but it's something that that is still in print. Right, right. That you know, I'm like, oh, that, that's honestly, cool. though, that makes me happy to hear that they're just sending you any type of royalties ever. Yeah, because it it really uh, the lack of money that creators are given. It's, from the from those, I just, I mean, I get it that some people get royalties, but that's, it's just so heartbreaking when like Bill Mantlo's, li- you know, fucking a corpse in a bed, and Marvel's just like, yeah. nah, thanks for Rocket Raccoon, see you later, sucker. Should have right. looked both ways before you cross that road. Maybe wouldn't have got hit by that car. Yeah, like, it's very weird. It's super shitty. And or like, I don't even know if this is true, but supposedly when when Dave Cockrum was on his way out, you know, I think he had cancer. He was he, some some very extreme illness and um he had like $150,000 in hospital bills Shit. and again I don't know if this is true this is just what you know the, the weird rumors that you've heard on the internet uh, uh Casada went to the hospital and was like we will pay all your hospital bills but you have to sign this piece of paper saying you'll never you relinquish all rights to the X-Men stuff really I again don't know if it's true yikes don't know have no knowledge yeah. but I've just heard it a couple times which is again means nothing, but yeah. it it wouldn't be the first time that something like that's happened. Right, like, they got Jack to do that multiple times. It's interesting, man, because like a lot of the conversations I have with guys of my comic generation is always trying to be grateful and thankful for the era that we came up with come came up in. Yeah, you because you guys actually could make money. <laughs> yes. And and also now, man, I think with creator owned and the situation at Image, if it works out for you, where you own your IP. I, I mean and dude, just like the way comics are printed now, the technology we have, I mean, could you imagine being of the sixties or seventies generation and You not, have no other option it, but to work from our old DC. Yeah. It's really bizarre and so i mean i I always try and 
remember the trailblazers, man, that came before us. And, yeah. you know, um, uh, Jim McLaughlin has that organization uh, actor mm-hmm. that, that tries to help out. Yeah. The worst name in all of comics. I know, kind of strange. And I always try and at least donate to them yeah, or, or, do you know, donate artwork yeah. or mm-hmm. any sort of like auction situation at cons. I give art to, or, you know, any way I can help people through my work Yeah, because I'm so, you know, almost like self-centered with my day-to-day schedule being in a studio 10 hours a day, I forget that the world needs help. And so when people ask me, can you help through your art? I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Take this, take that. Sure, of course, you know, but our lives get so consumed with just everyday work and survival that I forget like, oh, I'm actually like a pretty lucky motherfucker. Like I had a family that supported me they didn't really understand this comics thing i made a living off of it i'm still somehow getting by as a freelancer i'm not homeless maybe shit isn't too bad you know what i mean like um so yeah that's one of my things is trying you know try and be grateful yeah thing no i i hear that i mean cheesy as that sounds no i'm i'm too alert i think i feel like sometimes i come off negative because i talk a lot about like how shitty the industry is which it is and how a lot of the misconception or preconceived notions that people have of like uncle stan who did all this great stuff like you know i I beat that drum a lot which i think makes me come off a certain way to a certain person um but in reality like the fact that i have lived in la for the past like five six years Mm -hmm. worked as a writer the whole time um i don't have to have a day job i get to write my shitty movie scripts and write my shitty comics and draw my shitty comics and i don't have to answer to anybody and i think that's why i kind of beat that drum so much because right now there is nothing to lose and there there might be a position in, or a point in time where i am beholden to something slightly larger than myself and nicole yeah. where i physically can't say like yeah fuck insert person there right. who's doing something shitty like right now i could say fuck greg greg land and nothing happens because i don't have to see greg land in the, the monthly marvel business meeting or right, whatever right exactly because he's shit is awful yeah um <laughs> but 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 you know there might come a time where i have to be in the same room with greg land and it will be a lot harder to socially maneuver maneuver if i keep yeah. beating the fuck greg land drum <laughs> well dude i really dig what you guys do you and nicole and it's it's sort of one of those things of like just hunkering down and just doing your thing and saying fuck everybody and just make work. And one of the secrets I've discovered, uh, this is my 20th year freelancing. Is and you don't look you, a day over 15. Thank you, sir. And this, the, the secret is like you just – it's cliche, but it's like you just don't ever give up. You just keep yeah. going. And, and that keep going attitude I feel like is almost like a fuck you to all the naysayers where it's like, no, dude, I'm still going to be around while you're – quit or did your other thing or got distracted I'm still going to be around and what's weird about comics man is even though I'm like I'm I'm kind of a weirdo indie outsider guy in comics but after being in it now for 20 years most of the people in the industry now are like hey what's up Jim how you doing yeah I know your shit yeah and they they can't not they have to almost respect me just because of the longevity part of it well it doesn't I mean, hurt that you have a fuckload of like fans that are not comics people oh thanks for saying that you i know mean, what i mean like I, I don't mean that in a condescending way yeah. i mean it, it, it doesn't hurt that you are actively reaching outside of traditional comic spaces and doing things that are you know f- f- pushing boundaries in other directions other than i want to draw superman or spider-man or right whatever. 
Well, I, that's just because I have other interests. Of course you do, but and, a lot of know. people do, and they don't pursue those things because they're on the grind making comics. Yeah. Because making comics takes fucking forever. Oh, dude, I know. Like This, it, this new Girl Scouts, it's taken me over a year to do six issues, which I feel like is okay 20, timing. 22 page? Yeah. Okay. Like 22 pages, but sure. writing, penciling, inking, and then I got my buddy Justin Stewart, who's my brilliant... Dr. Pastrami? Yes, Dr. Yes. Pastrami. He's my brilliant mm-hmm. colorist, and he's lettering, but, dude, just the fact... I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but just for the listeners, it's like the planning, writing, penciling, inking, scanning, all that, coloring, designing, dealing with image, and I'm my own editor on the book, so I'm dealing directly with image and all their different departments on... The printing, the soliciting, the marketing. And it's a full-time job. And I'm also doing traveling to Comic-Cons and doing additional freelance to make money to pay my bills because I haven't made dime one from the comic book because it hasn't come out yet. Right. So when you do a project like that, it's like self-publishing in a way where it's just sort of a roll of the dice on yourself where – I don't know what the numbers are going to be yet. Like, I don't know what is going to happen. I, I, I'm calling it right now, though. So, I think it's going to do very well. A, because of the conversation we were having before about all those people that you've just amassed on Instagram and people that are going to seek it out. Maybe not in single issues, but right. in trade. Yeah. Like, you will you will do well. But B, motherfucker, you're on the front of image the Image Preview magazine. Oh, like, yeah. You're, you're image, image Plus magazine. Image, image Plus magazine. Uh, With uh, Rob Liefeld on the other cover. <laughs> I love that guy. I love Dude, that Dude, how, guy. I mean, what a, that's a great full circle moment for me just because it's like, dude, image comics, that's cool, first of all, but also like fucking Liefeld. It's, you know, he just, I, he won't ever go away and I respect him for that. I can't say you that know? I like anything that he's done recently, but I will say that I love his fighting American stuff, like oh, I, un- see, I haven't yeah. unabashedly love it. Both okay. there was there's a there's a Jeff Loeb Ed McGinnis miniseries which is really good. Oh right, and right. then there's also the flagship um, fighting American series that he used all his unused Captain America scripts for. Oh shit! Okay. And Stephen Platt drew a bunch of the later issues, which Stephen Platt, Stephen Platt, yeah, dude. Um, I have a good Liefeld story. I I went oh, to God. I went to a con in Houston. I believe it was Comic Palooza years ago, and I get to the airport. And in baggage claim, there's a guy in a suit, you know, with the, our, um, my name on his sign. <clears throat> and uh, under my name, it's uh, Rob Liefeld and Marat Michaels. Yep. And I'm like, oh, you're my guy. You're my ride. The guy brings me out to the, the corner, and it's a fucking limo. And I'm like, this is the ride to the hotel? Okay. Throw my bags in the trunk. I get in the limo, and Rob and Marat are in the limo. And they're like, hey, Jim, what's up, dude? And... I think I'd met Rob before, but, dude, I, I'm talking to him in the limo. He knows everything about my career. He's asking me about, like, wh- how's Kevin Smith doing, clerks, this and that. What are you working on now? Knew a lot about what I was doing. Was completely friendly, humble, cool, nice, passionate guy about comics. Super passionate about comics. And I got out of the ride being like, Liefeld's a fucking cool guy. Like, I don't know. I, it's trendy and popular to shit on him, but it's it's gotten to the point where that's so cliche that it's almost like, 
what are you going to be a fucking sheep and get on this Liefeld bashing train? That was like 10 years ago. Like the guy is still around. Yeah, we've all moved on to Greg Land. <laughs> right. Come on. No, wait, Greg well, Land is the true fucking uh, hack. What? I'm trying to visualize Greg Land's art. It's awful. He traces photos. It's oh, all he did a bunch okay. of he's done a bunch of X stuff recently. Like he was the artist on uh the Fraction. He was the alternate artist of Terry Dodson on the Fraction Uncanny X-Men stuff. Okay, then, I know his name, but I can't visualize his work. It's awful. He it's not even that he traces, because honestly, tracing's fine if you do it well. I kind of don't even really care about somebody tracing right. photos. Um, like David Mack does that, and I right. think it's super fucking rad. Or you know, uh, uh, Dave McKean does it sometimes, and yeah. I think it's very interesting how he you know takes certain elements that are photo traces, certain elements that are cut up photos, and collages them together, and it's really interesting. Um, so it's not even the actual tracing thing that I have a problem with. It's just the fact that he traces the same six images oh. over, and oh, there's a, a specific still of a porn girl going like this. And he <laughs> traces that same face. It's, look, Aristotle, it's that oh, same okay, fucking okay, face okay. over and over and over again. She, yeah, that mouth looks not, looks pornographic. It, it's, it is. It's literally a porn still. Okay, that's... Um, and he's traced that woman hundreds of times. It's an odd decision on his part. It, it's... It would be fine even if it was just one odd decision. It's just a lifetime of the same odd decision that's yeah. so irksome to me. But it's like, what? It's, yes! Yes! Oh, okay. Yes! Yeah. Like, oh, just... For those of you at home... For those of you at home... We're being all, shown uh, yes. visual evidence of uh, <laughs> yeah. various yeah. porn star... It's so... It's just like... And the worst thing is that, like, Greg Land is a great artist. His, mm-hmm. He did hit a whole run on Nightwing in the '90s. It was really, really oh, great. Shit. Okay, yeah. Like he was, he was when he tried, fucking killer. Yeah. And then he just went down this weird hole. I feel like there's a whole, there's like a weird generation of people right now. Maybe a generation. There's a, a weird clique of people where it's Greg Land, Salvador La Roca, and um, uh, Diodato Jr. Who all they give no fucks. Yeah. They give no fucks. Where Diodato Jr. is like a uh, poser. Can I just get some more poser? Guys, can you back up that dump truck full of poser reference yeah. so I can just trace all this shitty poser? I think certain guys get to the point where they've been doing it so long, they just start working for the paycheck. And it sounds pretentious to say it, but it's like the the artistry of it isn't there for them anymore. And I've always been curious and excited about all this crazy shit that I'm into for the art first. Like, I, I really... I'm interested and fascinated in in all of it. And but also that shows in your work too because you over time you've changed and evolved so many – like I think I heard – I don't know if I read an interview with you or if it was a podcast or something. But I, I remember something where you were saying in the late 90s people were like cribbing your shit real hard. Mm-hmm. And you were talking to somebody. I don't remember if it was Huddleston or Crossland or who. But one of your friends and they were like, okay, do something else. Yeah, Change, totally. evolve. And like you can totally see how you as an individual – have just been like plateau, plateau, plateau. plateau. Oh, good. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's what I'm like, trying to like, do. No, I, we yeah. all are, totally. Yeah. But specifically, your shit has, you know, there. you can like, you, there's almost like periods where you can be like, oh, that's where Jim was really totally. into shark heads, or yeah. that's where Jim was really into, you know. Completely. Fucking whatever, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the, the other thing, too, with all that is like, it prevents you from getting bored when you consciously try and change and evolve or try something else i mean for me it's like i don't ever want to get bored i've never felt bored in my studio man i'm always 
generally excited to be yeah. in there and to be because as I'm doing it, I'm having fun, but I'm also sometimes frustrated. I mean, you know how it is, yes. and, it, and it's, but it's it's also something is being revealed to you as you're doing it. You're like unlocking the mystery, and especially with comics. And like working on my new stuff, the storytelling part of it, it's all still a fucking mystery to me, man, where I'm like, wait, how, if I insert this panel here or make this decision here or go this left turn here, it's all just um, very exciting and mysterious to me after all these years. Like I've never once sat in my studio and been like, I've figured it all out. This is old hat. I know everything there is to know about making comics because I am a master. Right. Or even producing a single image or illustration. I mean, even that can sometimes just be like, oh, I have a, I have a variant cover to draw. What's my approach on this? What am I going to do? What kind of sketches am I going to show the editor? Like, what... What? Do you do you think that what we're talking about in terms of these kind of like level ups that you've experienced over time? Do you think that has to do with just the hours put in at the board, or do you think that has to do with what we were talking about earlier about your interest in fine art, your interest in kind of performance, your interest just in experiencing things? You travel, yeah. You know? And I don't know if all comic book people even just logistically can, you know, because it's there's no money in comics, so right. it's really hard to do that. Um, but you've managed to figure out ways of. You know, seeing the world and having all these experiences, do you think it's that that informs those level ups? Or do you think it's just the you just grinding it out and making a conscious decision? I think it's definitely both. Okay. And, it, and it's, um, it's also hanging out. I've always hung out with friends that are talented that I think are, like, better than me in a way. Or know something that I don't know. Sure. Like, Mike Huddleston and Jason Sean Alexander are part of my crew, and they're to me, like technical masters where they know how to paint and draw basically anything and apply the mediums in certain ways where I'm like, how the fuck did you do that? You know? And then, um, and like with Crosland, it's like, he has that kind of like whimsical style thing that I'm, that's, I'm sometimes like, well, how did you do that? And Mm -hmm. we're all learning from each other, but we're also inspiring and amping each other up where we'll throughout the week. Sometimes I don't, see other people because I'm working, but I'll be texting with the guys like, hey, check out this new thing I'm working on. And then they'll hit me up, check out this new painting I'm working on. And it's a way, it's like we're giving each other a little jolt, Mm. you know, just to kind of like not one up each other. It's not a competition, but it's more like an inspiring thing. Mm. And then when I travel and do the cons, just meeting People meeting complete strangers, man, that are responsive to my work, I think is still very exciting and inspiring. It's like, what these random people are putting down their hard earned money for my print or my mini comic, or even after all this time of doing it, it's all very um, exciting to me. You know, it's it's Uh, cool. I mean, obviously, I haven't been doing it as long as you have, but we were when we were in Seattle, and honestly, it's becoming a more and more regular uh, occurrence, which is really kind of strange and obviously a welcome one but it's still a strange occurrence where we when we were in seattle there was a girl who came to the table and who i was talking with somebody i think it was talking with an editor or something and then they left or no they got shooed away because nicole came over and was like hey somebody's waiting to talk to you All i was right. like what, what the fuck does that mean i don't i'll see them after the show she's like no 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 like somebody not one of our friends is waiting to talk to you oh all right 
hey, what's going on? Hi, I follow you on Instagram, and I just want to say that it's really inspiring, and I have all your comics, and I want to be like you. And it was like, what? Amazing. What? Yeah, yeah. This is the fucking most, like, bizarre, amazing... Like, this is what you... That's what, for me, that's why I do it. Like, yeah. That's a... That that girl in her basement in fucking Tacoma or wherever the shit she lives is the exact reason why I make the comics that I make. Totally. Um, well, so you're, you're having a genuine connection yeah. with another human over something that came out of you. Yeah, that wasn't there. And that, uh, that we just, Nicole and I sat in a basement and like fucking, all right, I'm just going to grind this yeah. shit out. Um, and then, but you manifest it into being into reality and then some other human somewhere else sees it responds to it positively to me that's like a form of fucking magic man that's like (laughs) yeah yeah that's like wait a minute this bizarre strange idea i had resonated with someone else i mean that everybody feels so divided now and that's all you hear in media and all this crazy shit but honestly dude in my travels and stuff like my way of connecting with humanity sounds hippie spiritual bullshit but it's it's through this shit because it's like i don't know what else is going on or what i can do about it to affect the political climate of the world but i know that i can be genuine and hopefully unique and that's how i connect with my fellow man maybe like it makes sense to me yeah you know and at the end of each day after a, a con i generally feel pretty inspired and pretty jazzed and then I fly home and I'm excited to get back in the studio to make new work to to put out. And so it's almost like to recycle, the cycle continues. Yeah. And it, it's almost like, to me, I compare almost like making comics to make, being in a band and making an album. Like you make the product and then you go out and tour it. Yeah. And then when the tour is over, you go back and make the new thing. Yep. And then you tour that. Yeah. I mean, at this point, Nicole and I even have names for our tours. We're like the tour, uh, the, the nice. tour this year is the uh, You Can Keep Your Vampire Money tour. Okay. Um, for obvious reasons. Right, right, right. Because of various things that have happened where it's like. And I no, we just want to make our thing. Yes. Um, which for a while I was feeling kind of conflicted about, where I was like, oh, maybe I should have taken that deal, or maybe I should have taken this deal, or maybe I should have followed up more with that person and really, you know, tried to convince them that we were the right person for whatever the thing was. Right. And ultimately, you know, I was feeling real down about it, and you know, I was like, oh, this is so fucked up. We shouldn't have done this. And then over the course of one day, our agent called and said that a publisher was interested in one of our books. Sweet. And I was re-listening to a bunch of My Chemical Romance stuff. And there's a song called Vampire Money okay. where Gerard Way just talks about how he... It's, it's basically like they got offered to do a Twilight song. And he was like, no, I don't want to fucking do a Twilight oh, song. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was... It was like, a, oh, all right. Gerard Way says, say no to Vampire Money. The agent is saying, hey, there are people who want what you do. And they're going to let you keep your rights, potentially. Obviously, nothing's happened with that yet. But yeah. just the meeting was enough for me to be yeah. like, ah. <sighs> okay, it's all going to be yeah. all right. I'm Those not... meetings can either be good or bad or just confusing. Or I try yeah. and take all that shit with a grain of salt and be like, the work I do in the studio is all that matters. That's you a know? much healthier way to do you know, it. But that, that being said, you also have had multiple books in Diamond and published by a fuckload of companies. That's where true. Nicole and I... We we make our own books, yeah. period. And touring is the only place, aside from our websites, that people can get them. So when there are those external, like, hey, uh, so-and-so publisher thinks that your guy's shit isn't all that bad. It's like, oh, all right. Even if it doesn't go anywhere, it's fine because all I need is someone to say yes at some point. And the number of people that go, hey, that doesn't suck. 
Right. Well, eventually, the Russian roulette will hit, and one of the things will go out, and then it'll be fine. Right. Um, now, when you you worked in retail in Arizona, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did did working in retail and comics give you a new perspective or insight on how to approach self publishing? Hmm. I mean, yes and no. Yes, in terms of. I just know how the industry works, I guess, mm-hmm. but not really just because every shop is a little different and it's 95% superhero stuff. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe it's 75%. That's the bottom line, right? It's superhero stuff, which bums me out personally, but that's mostly just because that's not what I make. I right. like that stuff. I still buy that shit. Right. Um, it's just I wish that there were more things like Floating World or more yeah. shops. Oh, like, that store rocks. That store is fucking great. Yeah. Um, or Secret Headquarters here in LA. Yeah. Or, you know, in, in I'm sure every state has two or three shops that are the indie shop that has cool, weird underground stuff. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, but, y- yeah. So, yes, it, it helped me understand some of that stuff. Um but more, it was an education on just comics in general. Yeah. Because you could read everything. And I was 16 when I started working there, so I read everything. That's amazing. It was yeah. a lot of fun. To just, it's like almost like a kid in a candy store. Yeah, kind of and all of my money went there. Yeah. Yeah, I, all of the money I made working in the sure. comic stop shop got funneled back in the comic store. That's yeah. probably why the guy who owned it hired me, because he was like, That's... you're 16, I know you don't have a girlfriend, I'm going to hire you because you're just going to spend all your money here. Yeah. And I went to that store last time I was in oh, you did? Uh, uh, Arizona. Yeah. Oh, you went to Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, I worked at two. I worked at Heroes and Villains and Fantasy. Okay. Um, I worked at Fantasy after college. Yes, um, okay. I love that store. Yeah. That store's great, too. The, that store had some gems in it, dude. That, I, and I walked out of there with some weird, like, rare, r- like, random shit where, yeah. um, what's the guy who works Matt. There? Matt was like... Oh, I, no one else is going to buy this. You can have this for half off. You know, you know, <laughs> the weird like yeah, indie yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. shit, and then mixed in with like some Jack Kirby thing or whatever. And but yeah, yeah he he was like, well, your selections are so eclectic here that you know this has been in a back shelf for like the last five years. So I'll just you know that's what it. I do basically every time I go back because I'm originally from there. So whenever I go back for the holidays and whatnot, I I send him text messages like in advance of like, hey, do we have any of Commandy? Do yeah. we have any of Captain Victory? Do we have any of Rob Liefeld's Fighting American? Yeah. And uh, then I'll get text matches of like uh, issues one and two, issues seven, and uh, no, and no, and God, you have awful taste. Oh, shit. That's funny. <laughs> and it's like, all right, cool. Can you put those all on hold for me? Because I'm going to come buy them. It's cool, man. I got hyped up on like old comic shops again. Like last time I was in St. Louis, I had a rental car and I spent like one or two days just driving around the entire St. Louis area visiting all the comic shops and a couple of them from when I grew up are still there and it's interesting to talk to the guys that work there to find out about just the history of the comic book scene in St. Louis and what happened oh. to some of the stores and it, I, and I don't know, man, if it, the fact that I'm getting older and nostalgia sets in, but when you're a kid, you don't give a shit. No, but I, now that I'm older, I'm like, wait, how did... What happened to such and such store? No, I love and, that and, shit. and there's I love always that shit. one. There's always one like old dude that knows the whole history. Yeah. And if there's nothing else going on, there's no one else in the shop. They'll usually take uh, a couple hours to just <laughs> hang out and talk with you. And that's what happened with me and this dude last time I was in town. And um, you know, at the end of it, he was like. So what do you do? What, why do you ask? All this? I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm, I draw. He didn't know that I was 
me and he was like oh i know your name but it was just it was cool because we were just having a conversation as like two dorks basically right about this history that's my favorite shit specifically a about arizona politics because so many of the arizona shops like hate each other and this guy doesn't like that dude and they won't show up at the diamond drop-off facility at the same time and this guy has all these tax problems and like he his shop closed down and then he moved into the building directly next door which is like what yeah all right fine dude okay yeah you know this guy's crazy and was in prison and claims that he's a wizard and practiced white (laughs) magic and that's why he never got raped in prison which is a true story and that guy tried to punch me at a signing one yeah the Arizona scene is weird we'll talk off mic about (laughs) some of this because I lived in Tempe for six years I didn't know that Um, after I got out of art school I moved to Tempe with this girl that I was dating and she was moving there and I was looking for a way out of the Midwest so I'd never been to Arizona but I was done with the Midwest so I moved with her and we got there and you know we didn't last we broke up but i wound up staying there because the art scene at the time was exploding and my career kind of took off there but um i was there for six years and it was um you know atomic comics had a chain there rest and in peace I, rest in peace I, yeah and i i lived in tempe right by um it's now called Ash Avenue Comics. Yep, I know the place. Um, with Drew, my homie, mm-hmm. runs it now. Mm-hmm. And I love those guys. And uh, But but Arizona, like you were saying, it has its own bizarre history. But um, there's things I'll talk to you about. I, I can't wait. Mike, because I don't um, want to. And uh, the shop, I, the, <laughs> I, the shop I, I frequent here in L.A. has been around for a long time, too. And the owner is like this curmudgeon, or manager is like this curmudgeonly English soccer hooligan guy. And every time I come in asking for weird shit, he always has some bizarre story. So when I came in and was like, hey, uh, I'm looking for either Tarot, which is the Black Rose, or Faust, because I want to learn about these weirdo porn comics, because I don't know anything about them, and they're fucking impossible to find. And also, Jim Ballant's kind of weird, and I don't want to buy them from him at fucking conventions, because it's all like Is it the first one you mentioned, the Tarot? tarot, That's a Jim Ballant? Yeah. He's the big boob, Catwoman? Giant boob, Catwoman things. They look insane, and I want to read them, but I don't want to buy them from him, because he's such a fucking creeper. And I don't... Is he... he... I don't know if he personally is, but his booth is run by, like, 80s hair metal chicks. (laughs) And it's really unnerving. I don't want to buy porn from, like, an 80s hair metal, like, woman. I'm sorry. That was going to be my next gimmick for cons. (laughs) 80s hair metal booth, babes, dude. You just ruined it. So what you're saying, Dave, is I shouldn't do that. (laughs) I shouldn't I think you absolutely should. But I think they should be, like... Mafood themed, so they should they should wear like your like fake beards oh, and have your yeah, glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you know, poison hair. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It would be great. People would be baffled, and it would be great. I would love confused. it. That I would be fucking so into. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So his yeah, he wants this. Jim Ballant is fascinating to me. So he's this guy who got really big in the fucking eighties. I'm sure you know most of this, oh, yeah. but I'm just gonna run through it so people who don't know. Yeah. So really big in the eighties off Catwoman. Like, fucking huge. 90s roll around, the self-publishing thing becomes super viable. He launches a porn empire, basically, off this comic called Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose. Okay, see, I didn't know know about that. He runs a company called Broadsword Comics. Okay. They are still around. He puts out an issue a month of Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose. They are on issue 108. It came out today. And he still, does he he write and draw it? He still writes, still draws. He has a color flatter, which is his wife, and then he letters it. 
Okay, see, I gotta give props to that. How can you not? And I want to read them. There's 108 issues, but they're he doesn't do trades, which is fucking insane. Oh, so they're just single issues with like 12 variant covers because, of course, right. Um, and so the trades are like 50, 60, 100, 200 dollars on eBay. So you literally can only get them from him at shows or by ordering the current issue when it comes out. Okay, which is like. I'm not wow. gonna lie. I want to. I want to see the arc of Tara, Witch of the Black yeah. Rose, the pornographic witch comic. And Holy shit, dude! Yeah, I'm like low key obsessed with discovering because it's so weird. It's super over the top. There's like a character that's like half shark, half penis. I think. Okay. Like I Why want. Not? I want that in my life, Jim. I need a half <laughs> penis, half shark character. The um, thing is, man, when you mention he's still doing it monthly, whatever, it's like. At this point, for me, anyone who's even just doing comics full time, I'm like, my hat's off to you, man. It's like, it's like we were saying, it's so much fucking work. So if much you're, work. if you're, I mean, Eric Larson is still drawing Savage Dragon, you know, and, 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 and for like five thousand dollars or five five thousand sales a book, like shit. he's not making a lot of money, and he's just doing it, and that's fucking rad. It's it's crazy. It's and my hat goes off to anyone who is just in the art form and legitimately passionate about it and just doing it. And you go to cons and you'll see these guys that you're like, oh shit, that dude's still around. Yeah, you know, and you f- you're almost like I should buy his shit. I feel bad. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want anything that you produce, but I just like that you're still here. Yeah, yeah. it's it's um, it really is. I think this weird. You have to have, like, the burning passion for it. There's no faking the funk when it comes to making comics. Like, there's no... I've never heard anyone casually be like, yeah, I thought I'd maybe try experimenting with drawing comics because I heard you can get rich doing it. I've absolutely have people say Really? Yes. Yes, except they don't say comics. They say graphic novel. And they say, I wrote a shitty screenplay. They're trying to sell it as a movie. I fucking... Get away from me. Are those people still... Yeah, they're still around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk off mic. Okay. Yes, but they're. I mean, in this town, they are. I'm assuming. I think they're still around. That's a lot of Boom's business model is that. Okay, like a lot. You know, it's like, hey, could this be turned into a movie? Sure, we'll try a four issue miniseries. Oh, you sold above six hundred copies. It's an ongoing. Fuck it. And do you think studios are even looking at non Marvel DC superhero stuff as potential movie TV shows? Valiant has gotten like what three different deals in like the last two months okay they, they have like a blood, sh- blood bloodshot movie uh a harbinger something i don't even know what harbinger is i just know i've seen headlines with i've harbinger. been doing variant covers for harbinger renegades oh, okay uh, it's actually a cool book I, i'm not just saying that. i have no connection it's, it's actually a pretty fucking cool book they hire great people i've tried to read their comics multiple times and they're like uh, saltines drenched in bleach <laughs> like i don't know okay like they, and it's so bizarre to me because the creators that they hire are amazing yeah it's like at the lowest bottom rung b-list marvel people yeah like they're you know uh, zub and uh charles soleil and jeff lemire jeff lemire's like a-list dude yeah yeah and he's writing bloodshot and yeah. One of their other books, I don't remember. Did you see, Matt Kent, he does a lot yeah, of Yeah, did, speaking of Matt, did you by chance see the new first issue of uh, XO Manowar? I did. Dude, it it looks pretty fucking cool. I haven't read they it, all, they, but... That's the thing, though. They all look great. And the production value on their books... Yeah, they are... I, I, is real nice. Yes, they're all beautifully made. Somehow that makes it even worse. Because they're so bizarrely impenetrable... 
just on like an emotional level. Oh, okay. Like yeah. Exo Man of War sounds like the greatest comic ever. It's a caveman or some Roman centurion yeah. who is in an Iron Man suit, right? Yeah. That sounds fucking rad. I want to read that. Yeah. Eh? I've tried yeah, like three different times. Uh, every it. time I'm like, I don't uh, maybe this is maybe it's just not my thing. Yeah. I've only know. read the Harbinger book and that's just because they sent me the free comps of it. I love David LaFuente. I love David LaFuente. He's drawing Quantum and Woody, or the other one with two names? I don't even oh, know. Oh, um, um, Archer and Armstrong. He's drawing Archer, Archer and Armstrong. <laughs> this is getting deeply nerdy. But that's what but, I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he's, I love that guy so much that I would literally follow him anywhere except for Valiant. Mm-hmm. I've, I bought the first issue of that Archer and Armstrong and was like, I don't know. What is, what is this? Oh, yeah, I, okay. I don't know. Maybe it's just me knowing too much about the comics industry and being able to see that they have Chinese backing and they're just plugging away until right. they get these movie deals. Right. Maybe it's that. But I love David LaFuente, and even that couldn't really make me interested in Archer yeah. Armstrong. Maybe I, maybe I need to give it a second shot. Maybe I'm just being shitty about it. Yeah. it's There's so much out, too, that it's sort of like... I haven't. I, I'm guilty of not reading a yeah. lot of yeah. this stuff. But it's, do you do you read a lot of stuff? I read, and I'm not just saying this because I'm with them. But I read. I'm I'm reading all of like images stuff mo- mostly. Um, Me too. Like, dude, I just and all my contemporary buddies that are doing shit at Image, Scotty Young, Rick Remender. I mean, I feel like they're all doing great shit. Kari Andrews. Um, all these books, dude. Uh, Jason Latour, Southern Bastards, Low, I think is brilliant. Rumble, uh, Paper Girls. Um, Paper Girls is the weirdest comic on the shelf. It's I don't I'm know. What, I don't know what it's it, about, dude. but I love every issue of it. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is the most insane tone poem, David Lynch fever dream. Yeah, and I'm kind of angry because I still don't know what's happening. Twelve issues in. But I love this. Yeah. It's like just pure atmosphere. It's like injecting atmosphere into your bloodstream. Yeah. Have you read that book, Rumble? Uh, yeah. I read the but first the, four. Yeah. And then when the they started explaining sk- things, I was like, I don't need this. Yeah. I, I loved the atmosphere. Yeah. And then they started explaining stuff, and I was like, eh, it's But fine. shit, man. Um, James Heron. Uh, James Heron. The art, James storytelling. Heron. Brilliant. And, you know... Jason Aaron and Latour on Southern Bastards. I mean, that's just brilliant, brilliant I, stuff. I love that book mostly because it's something that is completely unique. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they're going after the highly lucrative Southern crime market. Right. And, dude, I'm not a sports guy at all. So the fact that football plays a huge thing in it. I'm like, I don't give a shit about football, but I do with that book. Yeah. Like, I'm interested in the coach character and everything yep. that's happening. And it's funny because, like, all I'm reading all these books that I think, um, it, you know, Image is doing that are very well-written and lofty. And for me, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to compete with this on a writing level. So Is with, that even something that interests with, you, though? With my stuff, with, like, the new Girl Scout series I'm doing – I've gone in the opposite direction where it's completely absurd. And, right, and, right, yeah. Uh, and, right. and it's humor-based with absurd violence and action. But my my almost, like, cheat way of handling it is I'm just going to go over here and have, like, fucking talking fish and weird shit happening and these magic socks that are a weapon. And um, it's a revenge story. And there's this teenage gang that has these super-powered smartphones. And a lot of it 
is not rooted in any sort of reality. It's just rooted in the universe that I create, that my style exists in. But that's my excuse for being able to do literally anything I want is it's, this is my universe. And that's, I think, the most exciting thing about comics as a medium is whatever your mind can imagine and put on the paper, that's the budget. There is no budget. Yeah, yeah. It's like you want shit in outer space, you want shit in the Old West. There's a flashback sequence I do in issue two where, like, Genghis Khan and Hitler and Nixon are in it. And I was like, I just want to draw these guys for, like, a quick minute. And then part of it is, like, a Western where this... Ancient, this this cowboy guy gets the magic socks. And I'm like, I'm just going to draw like some Western shit for two pages. Cowboys blowing the shit out of each other. And it's just, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. It, and so I'm, it's kind of an excuse just to throw everything, including the kitchen sink into the book. Sure. And, but there's some sort of, um, aesthetic to all that. I, I hope. Yeah, definitely. Know? Yeah. I mean, I think just the fact that you're drawing it necessitates or births that. Yeah. You know, because you have a very specific way of putting down lines. And because of that, you could draw, you could, if, even if you just took an episode of The West Wing and you drew oh, wow. that, it would be a completely different thing. Right. Just by the way that you draw. You know challenging, I mean? definitely. Yeah, no shit. There's so much dialogue. Just, that's still one of the challenging things, man. Making conversations look interesting is will always be a challenging thing like Mm -hmm. when you have to have exposition or like i have to have a scene where the girls are all together talking about what's actually going on and it's set in a bar and i'm like how do i make this look interesting where it's three girls at a table it's like well there's background shit there's posters on the wall there's weird shit You, you, you you find ways yeah but i think everyone who's ever sat down for the first time to do their own comics or whatever, and they're like, oh, wait, when you get to the pages where there's no punching, wh- how do you shoot that? How do you do that? It's, like, it, yeah, it's funny. When I write for Nicole, uh, I, you know, R- Nicole and I basically make romance comics. Where, yeah. where it's kind of, you know, teen girls, skaters having emotional problems and, you know, uh, trying to sort out interpersonal relationships. I like that. The fuck off squad. Thank you very much. That was the... Yeah. Skate park one. Yes, it absolutely is. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Uh, she, we've done two volumes, and she's drawing the third one right now. Oh, cool. And, um, it's so funny where the first issue is like, oh, it's all at the skate park, so there's stuff for them to do while they're talking. Mm-hmm. The second one is all music themed, so they're like, you know, setting up their band equipment or whatever. Uh, and the this third one is all kind of social media themed, so there's like a lots of a lot of, um nuts and bolts of comics like mechanics like some of the panel borders are literal phones where then you'll see people's conversations in the phone oh, or yeah, yeah. somebody will be walking and there'll be little balloons that you know say you know like they're, they're scrolling through instagram feed and you see the stuff that they're liking or whatever right. um and and it's it's funny how it, the conversation that you just said of like when there's no movement because that's what's interesting, really. It's not necessarily even the act of punchings, but it's just things moving and, you know, right. visual cacophony. What do you do? And she is so good at just being like, oh, what if we took this small element of the theme of this issue, whether it be angst or uh, breakups or whatever the, you know, emotional kind of through line to the story is, and then just pulled that out and made this visual kind of idea from it. Uh, so our scripts now have become these weird letters where oh. I kind of 
they're like half Marvel style, half yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I have this idea for a nine panel grid. First panel, second panel, so on and so forth. This page, I don't fucking know. Yeah, do whatever you want. So it's, it's a true collaborative process. Uh, yes, and makes it really weird when we have to show scripts to people who are potentially interested in publishing oh, things because because there like, sort of is no script. There's a script, but it just looks like a bad one. Okay. Because it's like, oh, you don't know how to write comics. Well, no, I really do. Right. This is just how I write for her because she takes it and molds it and, like, it's equally hers. Yeah. Like, she's just as much one of the writers as anybody, you yeah. know? Um, and and it's it's... That's my favorite part because then we get to sit in a room and she's like, okay, so I've got this idea, this idea, this idea. And then I can be like, oh... Those first two ideas don't really work, but the third idea could. Right. And that's the... I love that about making comics. Yeah. That it's this co- completely organic, momentum-based <laughs> Me machine. I, and there's times where, I don't know if you ever had it, where you you know, you know get surprised. Oh, yeah. Where I'm, I'm, there'll be times where I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't know that that was how that was going to be paced or Yeah, I mean, and sometimes it's a or... good surprise, and sometimes you're like, ooh, yeah. missed the mark on that one. Right, and, and, you know, there's always hopefully room, wiggle room, to Move add and subtract. Add, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things with this new Girl Scouts that I've never done before in my own stuff is digital lettering, and the digital lettering has helped out immensely where you can uh, physically seeing the, the, the thing that I've written in the balloon on the art after I've drawn it in a different layer, that sometimes helps me figure out if that dialogue is is tight enough or not. And sometimes I'll, I'll have Justin take out a sentence or add something, but it's something about actually seeing it physically on the page when it's been colored and everything that that really helps kind of determine the pacing and everything. Yeah, I, um, I letter almost everything that we do. Or, you know, Nicole and I letter it, where I'll do a first pass of lettering, and she'll tweak it and make it nicer. Yeah. But I rewrite a good 30 to 40%. Specifically, just exactly like, oh, I don't need seven lines, I need two lines. Yeah. Oh, this word, all this panel needs is a word balloon with dot, dot, dot in right. it. That's my favorite thing. It's like, oh, word balloon, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Mm. Soft, <laughs> soft exhale. Exactly. Gotcha. Something's still happening. Yeah. It right? still counts. It still counts. Fuck you. I'm a writer, mom. I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, are, would, uh, when does Magic Socks come out again? Uh, issue one is May seventeenth. Okay. Uh, and I have uh, final order cutoff hasn't happened yet, right? I don't think so. Okay. So please pre-order it. Uh, variant cover by Scotty Young, the brilliant Scotty Young. Mm-hmm. I'm banking on his <laughs> variant cover audience to boost the sales of my own book. Like this was a shameless thing that I did that he Do was totally he was totally cool with. Yeah. Um, we did a book together at Marvel a couple years ago called Howard the Human mm-hmm. that he wrote and I drew and I gave him <clears throat> a couple of the – his two of his favorite original pages from the book, but and I was like, well, as trade, when I do my Girl Scouts book in a in a year, I need to do the variant cover for issue one. He's like, yeah, no problem. So I, I called him on it. He delivered, and um, I'm doing six issues total. And um, for issue two, I got some cabbage to do the variant cover. Who the fuck are you? Which is Who the fucking fuck brilliant. Are Dude, you? I don't know. What? I don't even know how. I don't even know. Oh, old Billy Sink Sink? What? What? Old Bill. <laughs> oh, little Bill. Little Billy Sink Sink? We go way back. Yeah, the, um, one of the greatest living illustrators on the fucking planet. The craziest thing is I just asked him and he said yes. It was like that easy. Like we've become 
somewhat, you know, we've become friendly with each other over the last couple of years, and he's just a great guy and very approachable, especially with, like, technical shit. I'll just ask him questions, technique, and he'll just let me know the truth, like, what's going on. And he... But getting the cover, that was a next-level kind of thing where I was, like, the 12-year-old in me who discovered his shit and it like blew my mind i was like is this really happening he did a fucking painted cover of my my characters that's fucking that's fucking amazing i can retire i mean i don't know what else to do after that that's fucking amazing i can't even believe that so uh but yeah uh first issue may 17th image comics word please Um, check it out and are you you guys do um how many conventions a month now? <laughs> we do a little bit. We do a few. I'm trying to I, figure out. I'm doing Indiana in mid-April. Okay. Are you doing Denver Independent Comics Expo? When is that? Uh, April 8 and 9. Shit, I'm not. Are you doing C2E2? When is that? That's in... A- end of April, I think? Either the 23rd, 24th, or... I need to go back to C2E2. I haven't been there in a couple years. I've it's never good. Been. I've never been. It's a good show. That's what I've heard. Um... I'm doing Denver. And, oh, Denver Comic Con? Yeah. I've heard that um, was really good too. Heroes Con. I'll be at Heroes. Um, I'm trying to visualize the schedule on my wall, but uh, there's a bunch. Are of you them. doing uh, Ellie Zine Fest? When is that? Uh, May something? Middle, middle of May, I think. Really? Yeah. Is that. Where is that? Here. That's in, here. It's here in LA. Yeah. I, I think it's downtown this year. Okay. I feel like, I mean, I thought you meant here. Oh, no, 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 no. That's Zine Melt. Right? And that, Did I say that right? Aristotle? Aristotle organizes it. That just happened, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I was, that was when I was in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, the LA Zine Fest is huge. If you ha- aren't tabling or, you know, whatever, you should stop by. It's, fu- it's right. I need up to your check alley. it out. It's right up your alley. And is it, uh, is that like, well, I'll talk to you about it, but, sure. you know, figuring out how to get a table for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know some of the organizers. I can recommend them. If it's not too late. Yeah, I have no idea. I know that they've done everything, but you're a bigger name, so it might be another deal. It's weird, man, trying to, like, organize all these shows because you don't want to oversaturate yourself mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. wear yourself out. But at the same time, it's... Yeah, we did, like, 40 shows last year, and at the end of the year, we were both like, less shows next year. That's amazing. Yeah, it was brutal. And like a lot of them were three shitty. Three a month? Yeah, sometimes four. Yeah, it was it was too much. And honestly, it was too much for the amount of reward. It was one thing if they would have all been like C2E2 Toronto, you know, big shows. Yeah. A lot of them were like Santa Clarita Valley Comic Con, which was like in the back of a movie studio. Oh, Where shit. there was like 17 vendors and 13 attendees. Whoa. Yeah, it was not bueno. Um but the fact that you guys are just doing it, you're just like, <laughs> fuck it. I mean, that is so that, fucking punk, dude. Yeah, there was a lot of I like fuck that. It. And then there was I a lot. I like lo- that attitude. And then there, there was mostly me being fuck it, and then afterwards, Nicole, like halfway through that, Nicole being like, I'm going to work on pages, because it takes me ten times longer to make our books than it makes you takes you to write them. And I was like, that sounds like a good idea. I'm going to continue table. Whoa, there's no one at these shows. I could be working on my book. Yeah. Okay. What's that? Um, that I've been seeing these photos you've been posting on Instagram of this insanely detailed, <laughs> hyperkinetic, yeah. So stuff you've been working on yeah. is that what, it's, what it's is at, that? So I 
do a book called Action Hospital. Oh, yeah. I so, have that yes, fat the, trade. The, the fuck off giant trade. Yeah. So the first volume, I wrote it all. I killed someone with that trade. Fuck yeah, you did. A, I, intruder. I his, a burglar. <laughs> I hope his name was either Stanley <laughs> or Greg Land. Um, that's not true. I don't wish, wish death on Stanley. <laughs> I just wish that he would publicly recant all the lies that he's Your told. enamel pin. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's, so I was like, wow, you're selling this pin at, at Stanley's Stan's show. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. That was that's you have to, man. You got to go into the belly Kudos, of the beast, sir. <laughs> oh yeah, that's where I met you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so I do a book called Action Hospital, which is kind of like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind meets Men in Black set in a hospital, with the added twist to that. All of the characters in the hospital are paired with specific artists. So whenever oh, they show right, up, right. Yeah. they're all drawn by the same person. So it's kind of like an Image United style thing. You know, there's six or seven cartoonists who all draw their characters. And they were, if the character's in the same room, everybody draws on the same page. It took four years to make 250 pages, which is a lot of pages. But four years is too long. It was, yeah, it was, I mean... It was, I'm very thankful now that I have a book to tour on that I can sell for a little bit of money. Right. But... It was mostly just the burden of that taking four years. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to draw it. So then I, I had like this, well, what am I going to do? I'm either going to draw another one myself, which is either going to be half the size. That's bullshit. Right. Or I could do like a single issues miniseries, which that's bullshit. So I guess I'll just do another trade that's 250 pages or longer, but one issue, and I'll draw it all. And I'll Shit. do it in a year! Shit. So I'm like eight months or seven months into that year and i've gotten it all penciled and i'm inking page 17 and 16 16 17 which is what you're talking about yeah i mean it's pretty hyper kinetic part of me thinks detailed so i mean when i look at it i'm like i don't know if i could uh, imagine myself spending that much time on one you know what i mean like yeah, it's, yeah. it's everyone has their own technique their own schedule their own style obviously so it's interesting to see how people, you know, break up their time. I think it's mostly that I am, I, I think what you're talking about in terms of the like energy and the obsessive compulsive proclivity towards drawing ropes and lanterns mm-hmm. and cave dudes with severed heads and shit um, is the fact that it's the most purest form of exerting control. And everything that we've been talking about this in, in this conversation is when is the right moment to give up con- what amount of control, right? right? What's the amount of – what do you get when you work for do work for hire that allows the lack of rights to be a good exchange? Like, oh, if I did a book at Marvel, I'd have a bigger following than I do now, but I wouldn't have any of the rights to those things. Is that something I'm willing to give up? Most people would say yes. You know, um, if I do a book at Boom – what amount of the rights am I giving up and what amount am I keeping and what financial compensation am I going to accrue if a movie gets made or, right. you know, what am I not? And so what is the – so I think a lot about control and I think for me, I want to control everything. Yeah. And I think for me, the way that manifests is by just rendering dumbass <laughs> rope and guys screaming and, you know, giant crowd scenes. I like that. <laughs> it's almost on a Jeff Darrow level some of that guy no i love that guy i love that dude madman i I know there's part of me that's like maybe i'll go show him these pages oh you should i part of me is like i think he's a pretty approachable i've talked to him multiple times yeah seems very kind i just don't i don't know if it's i'm always weird about that stuff i'd rather Mm -hmm. just be like hand somebody a book like with you where it's like hey here's my book if you want to read it that's great yeah not bye um having the actual finished book also shows people that you have 
you had the 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 wherewithal to actually print the book. You manifested oh my God. something. Yeah. You have a physical yeah. thing you can give them. And yeah. That really helped me in the beginning of my career where instead of showing samples to people, packets of photocopies, I was self-publishing my own stuff and I would just give them a copy of the book and be like, this is what I do. And I also had enough balls to actually publish it and I folded it and stapled it myself, motherfuckers. Yeah. You know, and it's no, like, absolutely. I think that that shows that, oh, this guy's not fucking around. Like, he actually is really hungry. He's He, wa- yeah. he wants to do this. Yeah, I don't think anybody that looks at our convention tour and or the amount of books that we've made <laughs> thinks that I'm fucking around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I li- I like making comics. I like touring. I, I find it uh, a weird sense of existential zen in yeah. the in the fact that it's so hard. The fact that it's so hard, but I derive pleasure from it at this point. Like I'm so Stockholm syndromed into if I don't work on pages, I feel guilty, which is That's probably not a healthy thing. Happens but, to me. But yeah, you know, I am so in the grind and in the groove that when I think about doing something else i'm like yeah but it wouldn't be as hard though yeah and that's eh, eh. yeah i get that same way man where i'm just like why am i not oh man i should be in the studio right now right yeah yeah and uh i also like since i you know i do movie stuff as the day gig like i have to answer to so many people yeah i have to you know i've worked for corporations and they they are like oh your idea is really good let's take it and fuck it to death right and They've paid me well, so it's fine. They can fuck it to death. Right. I don't have that same flexibility with comics because yeah. it's like, no, that's the side that I say fine because the mountain is so big that I'm willing to get fucked on the way up because it's a longer <laughs> way up. Right. Comics, it's it's a fucking anthill. That's but comics is like your sacred thing. That's your yeah. Home it thing, really is. You know, like, and that's I think every artist should have that in their arsenal of what they do whether they're doing freelance or corporate stuff you should always have the one thing that's just yours yeah and i mean i know a lot of friends of mine that work in like animation as their day job or whatever but they go home at night and they do their own crazy shit yeah and the key though is to actually do the crazy shit and not just say that you do the crazy shit because i know a lot of people that do exactly what i do they work in movies as their day gig and then they go home and they're like yeah, I worked on my script. I'm writing a movie. No, you're not. Yeah, I know. You're watching I, TV. You're watching TV. Yeah. You're playing a video game. Maybe you thought about it for 15 minutes. And in the world of Hollywood, that counts as writing, which is fucking insane to me. Yeah. Like, no, writing is you're sitting at the fucking laptop typing. Yeah. Did you type anything? Then you weren't writing. Yeah, you got to put in the hours. It's it, That was the difficult thing being in school and trying to do comics where I would – my school assignments were all studio based where it was like making images, obviously making mm-hmm. stuff for class, but then trying not to rush through that so I could get to the good shit, which was my own stuff. Yeah. So, but, but I you know, when you're in college, when you're younger, I was like, Oh, I can sleep for four hours a night. That's fine. I, and I look back, I'm like, how the fuck did I do that? I did all my schoolwork and I was also self publishing my own comics. And then, Senior years when I got the Gen X gig with Marvel. So my last semester of college, I was doing all my school shit, but also making this book for Marvel Comics. And I was looking back, I'm like, how the fuck did I even manage to do that? And I would, I would, I was also partying a lot. Like I was a party animal. So I'm like, how did I party every night? I'd get up the next morning and like smoke a huge joint and go to class. <laughs> Like, how do you even... Well, it's like the answer is you're 20. That's yeah. how you did it. Yeah. And, you know, I developed this 
cocky attitude because I was still in school but already working for Marvel. So I, w- I was like, all you guys here told me that comics aren't real art and aren't real illustration. Well, guess what? I'm fucking making money from Marvel Comics, so kiss my ass kind of thing. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I kind of got this attitude before I left school that was quickly deflated because after that I went into the real world and I'm like, oh, there's no promise of any other job after this. Yeah. You have to like restart from scratch after this is done and go out and hustle all over again. Yeah. So there was like, I always, you know, even Gen X to Clerks to whatever, there was always those in-between phases that I always had this fear of like, this could just end at any time and I'll have to go get a shit day job again. Like this, this could just fall out yeah. from under me. It's the worst. And, you know, I don't have that feeling that much anymore, but the last time I felt it was in like 2008 when the economy collapsed and like I was getting zero freelance work. Nothing was happening. And I was kind of like in a panic of what am I going to do yeah. with like when my savings runs out, am I going to go work a day job in LA somewhere? Like, I mean, if you I have, have no to, you skills, have to. I mean, I have no skills other than what I <laughs> already do. I don't know, man. I feel like you yeah. could find a job in animation or aren't you? You're tight with those, the yeah, tip mouse yeah. guys. Like you could, you could, you could find, you'd land somewhere. Yeah. I just, I'm not saying don't you don't, yeah, I, I'm not saying you would want to, but if it was like a, well, I'm homeless or I work as a background designer on insert cartoon here. Oh, right. Right. You'd yeah. Find, you'd. You'd be all right. I'd probably wind up to sleep in a tent house. <laughs> I have a feeling Chris Pernowski would be like, Moffat, get the fuck out. He would, yeah, I would I would just move into Chris's garage at his yeah, house. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure his wife would appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure, right? Yeah, we yeah. got uh, Jim staying with us for the next six months. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you said that stuff about college, though, because when I was in college, I had a very fractious relationship with the uh, higher-ups in the illustration program that I was in, and I refused to take illustration three which you had to take to graduate and i was like nah i don't i don't enjoy the presence of the head illustration professor oh wow yeah, yeah. uh i was like nah he's disrespectful i don't want to i don't want to do this um i'm gonna make comics i'm gonna do an independent study and then you guys are gonna uh, count that as my illustration three credit and i they did were one like, of those they were like no you have to take illustration three to graduate I was like i'm not doing it fuck you I'm going to make this comic, make a six-issue miniseries, go fuck yourself. This will count as my Illustration 3 uh, fucking... Wow. And they were like, okay, all right. What school is this? <laughs> fucking University of Arizona, so it oh, wasn't okay. like a prestigious... U of A? Yeah, yeah. Okay, in Tucson? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they gave me a full ride. So I was like, oh, I will take your free college. Dude, that's the shit. I lucked out. That's the only good thing that came out of the Bush presidency for me. Ah. Uh. I got the, uh, the Ames scholarship. If you exceeded in two and met in one of the Ames tests and had a 3.6 or above. I don't remember what the actual number was. Oh, wow. Uh, you got a free ride to any state school. And That's, I was like, oh, yeah, yes. Go for it. Free. When you were in illustration, did you guys go through like the rigorous program of like uh, figure drawing, like four hour yeah, figure drawing classes and, all of it, and, yeah. and beginning like paint theory? Yep, all of it. The, okay. Which I fought tooth and nail the whole way. I sort of did too, dude. And looking back on it now, I'm like, I was an idiot because I would love to go back and relearn all that. And even now, doing figure drawing classes when I occasionally do them is so beneficial and awesome. But at the time, being like a smart ass, know it all stoner guy, I, I was like, 
fuck, I don't need that. You know, I I got kicked out of one of the cl- classes. It was a um, it was a knife painting class. Paint, you know, yeah. painting with a palette knife, which sounds way and more cool than it is. It was so technical and boring to me. And it was like literally, you'd go in in the morning, and it was painting from life a brown paper bag, and trying to render that with paint. And I and and I just. It was a Friday class, and Thursday night was like the big party night at our school, and I would just show up late and and hung over. And the teacher eventually called me at home one day, which never ever happened. And it was he was like, "Hey man, I think you need to like get out of my class. I think I think you need to move on and and find something else and and work something out with another teacher because it's just not happening here. I can tell you're not into it. And I got to ask you to, um, basically fuck off, you know? And I was like, Ooh, shit. Okay. Uh, so I had to scramble and get into a different class, but it was just one of those, which now, man, I'd like being curious about technique and shit. I'm, I'm like, I'd love to take a painting with knife class right now, but knowing what I know now. Sure. Yeah. But when you're 20, and you're distracted with wanting to just do comics and like your own weird shit. I mean, that kind of class to me was the it was furthest away from what I was interested in. Yeah. Yeah, I I in college was particularly obstinate. I didn't I mean, I already like don't like people telling me what to do. Right. Why I'm a freelance artist, <laughs> you yeah. know. I like I don't I don't respond well to people saying you have to do something Mm -hmm. um i i respond even less well when it's you have to do something related to art where it's like no i I know what i'm doing yeah like but that being said the most that i learned was when i like maybe three four years ago when i was like all right i'm actually gonna sit down and really basically pull them off food and like i'm gonna level up i'm gonna i can draw i'm fine whatever i can tell a story i can you know my characters don't look like steve dylan they look individual (laughs) right you know it's fine but I'm going to really – I'm going to take, like, two or three years and just fucking do this thing. And I'm going to be – I'm going to be James Stoko. I'm going to be Shotaro Ishinomori. I'm going to be Katsuhiro Otomo. I'm yeah. going to fuck this up. And I didn't have that attitude in college. I, I could draw well. I did draw. I worked very hard, but I was very deadline-oriented. I was speed-oriented. Oh, I was, okay. I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm like JRJR speed oriented where he like doesn't draw anything anymore. He just kind of like puts layouts and then sends them to Klaus Janssen and Klaus Janssen <laughs> right. does the drawings. Right. Um, but I definitely wasn't what is the best possible version of this drawing that could be? I was what's a good enough drawing to move on? Yeah. And two or three, three, four years ago is when I was like, all right, fuck this. I'm going to be really dedicated to this and really do this and granted i would probably benefit from life drawing but what i do kind of isn't that does that right. make sense yeah, yeah. i mean your, sure. your stuff itself it, it has a lexicon and a visual language of marks and dots and dashes that it's it, its own visual thing that is tethered to reality right but not representational right and in some ways mine is the same where it's like Maybe a little bit more obsessive. <laughs> yeah. Where, like, I'm going to put 9,000 lines in this rock. Right. Or I'm going to draw 700 people in this crowd scene. Um, but I don't actually need to know how they fit together. Right. I just need to be able to know how to stack the people compositionally. Sure. So that's the thing I'm more interested in is um, I've been looking at a lot of concept art lately. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just because of the way that 
when you're working that quickly, specifically on, especially on environmental stuff where you just have to go triangle, circle, line, triangle. Right. All right. That's an environment. Moving on. Yeah. Um, and there's something that I really enjoy about taking a digital speed painting and trying to put line to it since it's all volume and shape. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I kind of do that a lot now. Yep. Which again is, you know, it's still not the paint draw from life thing that right. everybody says, but everyone's got their own way of adapting. I mean, the the main thing I learned, I guess, in art school was you sort of you you learn the foundations of all this shit, like academic shit, and then you apply that to your own style, and so you can break the rules later. But I was making the mistake when I was a kid, when I was in high school, of trying to draw just by looking at comics and trying to draw... I am so surprised, though, like, that you didn't end up as, like, a 90s clone guy. Well, dude, if you saw my sketchbooks from that era, I was... I mean, it was all the Jim Lee era, and so I was doing this, like, ultra-stiff figurative you know, wait, Jim Lee... Did you Lee... some of that stuff? Where it was, like, a Batman with a bunch of gear? That was... Or was that Hiddleston? That, that was inked? when I was inking Huddleston. Yeah. yeah. And, Hiddleston? That's and, the guy uh, who plays Thor. <laughs> no, good. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure Mike would be, uh, yeah. appreciate that comparison. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, bro. But yeah, Butcher he... Baker, Righteous Maker is my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Okay, sorry, Jim. Oh, dude, what a book that is. Fuck. Fuck. He's working on uh, a new creator-owned thing with um, Hickman, Jonathan Hickman for Image. Want. Want. And holy shit, it's mind-blowing. That's all I can say about it, yeah. but shit, it's mind-blowing. But um, what I was, what was I saying? Oh, we, yeah, um, rooting it in the foundation of, um, of academic, but what I was saying was the sketchbook thing, the Jim Lee tight stuff. When I, was show, when I got to art school, I mean, my professors that saw that kind of stuff were like, you got to get rid of this shit. You, you, I understand what you're trying to do, but you got to learn how to do like loose, figurative, gestural, and that actually really did mm. help me. Um, but then I could apply it later to what I can currently do. You yeah. Know? And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, man, I you know on that inker tip when I met Mike in art school, he was like a year ahead of me. And he was the badass guy in illustration. Everyone was like, Mike Huddleston, Mike Huddleston. And Huddleston. Uh, and <laughs> when I got to school, everyone, the, this sophomore who saw my work was like, oh, you're into comics, huh? You got to meet Mike Huddleston. I'm like, who the fuck's this Mike Huddleston guy everybody keeps talking about? So the first weekend at this, like, the school dance, I met Mike. And we hung out and bonded over like public enemy records and we're drinking 40s together and I saw what he was doing, and I also saw – eventually we became roommates, and I saw his work ethic. And I had never seen anyone, like, sit in a room for 10 hours straight and draw. And to me, that was, like, fucking mind-blowing. Like, this dude sits in a room for 10 hours and draws? Okay, now I understand why he's the best guy in his class. Right. And he was. And so eventually I started inking his stuff, and we did a bunch of samples and – Showed stuff around. Got a couple of gigs here and there, like um, Showcase 95 from DC Comics. We did a Legion of Superheroes story. Fuck yeah, you did. Um, Which is so weird. I was in Lexington, Kentucky three weeks ago for a con, and Bo Smith was there. And I had never met him before, and he's the one who wrote that story Mm. for Legion of Superheroes that started me and Mike. Yeah, our careers basically, and we we bonded me and Bo, and he's a fucking cool guy, and um, 
you were like, bruh, I gotta thank you for that matter-eating lad. <laughs> Fucking, totally. That was, that was the best, bruh. He is a good dude, and I didn't realize that he's the um, creator of Wino, Wino, Winona Earp. Winona Earp, yeah. That yeah. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he even directed an episode of the show, maybe? Maybe I'm misremembering. Yeah, that. I don't know. I feel like he's involved in the show in, in Super cool dude, though. Word. But uh, eventually, though, I'm glad I, you know, Mike and I didn't couldn't get consistent work as a team. So eventually he went on to do his own shit in pencil, and then I went on to pencil and ink and develop my own thing. And then that kind of yeah. worked out. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm glad that that happened. Yeah. Because I think that, I like think, I said, the world's a better place. I think that was the right direction. It's yeah. weird to think back and think that like my highest aspiration at a certain point in my life was just to be an inker. Just because I enjoyed, like I was saying, the just the process. The do you tools. still? Do you, do you have you? So this is so my one idea. I've got a couple, but the one idea that I might pursue for a shitty Watchmen sequel is to do a shitty Dark Knight. Yeah, where we take the original pencils from Frank Miller, which are almost non-existent, and re-ink the entire thing. Dude, because Klaus Jansen gets let, no fucking let me credit. Know when that's happening. So that's what that's what I was saying. Is like, do you? Is that something that you? Do you still have an affinity for that kind of stuff? Um, sure. I haven't inked over anyone in a really long time just because I'm so busy doing my own stuff. But my whole, like, flavor and flair comes in the inking phase. Sure. Like, if you see my pencils, you can tell it's my style. But all the... The Girl Scouts' pencils are, like, super vacant. I mean, they're... they're... It's basically shapes. Yeah. It's basically like a naked mannequin is the figure, and then I'm adding most of the clothing detail, tattoos, whatever they have in yeah. the inking phase. That's smart. And and it's it's um but that's what I really enjoy. I just right. enjoy when I'm penciling, I'm I'm have this feeling of of, of angstiness and, and frustration. And then the inking phase is just like pure cake. It's just pure, <laughs> like turn on Stooges records as loud as I can, kick back and just enjoy like the way that the ink is hitting the paper. I just really think that that's an interesting process. You know, I, I agree to a large extent, except I am super paranoid about pencils and I over pencil. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like the thing that we were talking about earlier, that big double page spread is penciled to the degree where I could give it to somebody and would get something back that's roughly what I penciled, but I added so much dumb shit that it's almost probably too much. Yeah. Where it's like parts of it are so cacophonous and democratic in terms of line quality that you might not even really be able to right, tell right, right. what's happening. Yeah. Because it's like, I know there's ropes there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting to trade with a bunch of friends and people like, you pencil this thing, I'll, I'll ink, ink it, that thing. I pencil yes. this thing. Yeah. Um, the Dark Knight thing, you're saying that there's like photocopied somewhere, there's, there's, all of Frank's? They, yes, there absolutely huh. is. They, the, they just put out an artist edition of all his pencils. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is a super cool book. I'll have to check that um, out. But yeah, that's there, there's a couple ideas that I have for doing, just because I don't want to be the fucking shitty guy. You know, right. I want to make a whole Do you know about my of- shitty Batman thing that I did on Instagram? No, did I sub- subliminally rip you off? No, um, I didn't know if you knew about this or no, not. No, no. But um, I have a, I have a thing that I've been doing for years called Shitty Batman, and it's just really bad drawings of Batman, <laughs> and it's almost him. I'll send you some of them, but as like a little drunken 
character with like a five o'clock shadow and Robin is usually in it. And um, this all started off years ago when Bob Shrek became the Batman editor at DC. Mm -hmm. And I would fuck with him and go to his table at conventions and interrupt the line of of nervous kids trying to show them their portfolios. And I would hand him these like shitty Batman drawings I had done. Yeah. And he would laugh his ass off, but also get really pissed at me because I would interrupt the line and just be like, yeah. hey, excuse me, Mr. Shrek, I just want to <laughs> leave this with you. And then I'd like walk off and he'd be like, you bastard. You whippersnapper. And then later that night, you know, he'd be like, dude, you interrupting the line. I'm like in the middle of this critique. This kid's fucking hopes and dreams are like yeah. on the line yeah, 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 yeah. and you're plunking down on top of his portfolio this like shitty stick figure Batman thing. <laughs> Hilarious to me, but yeah. you know, it's Yeah. Um but no, I we're we're all cool. There's no there's no Word. owning yeah. the shitty I had, I had no knowledge of that. But uh, I um, am I am kinda waiting for somebody to come out of the woodwork and be like, I thought of shitty first work because it's oh. such a such a dumb idea. Somebody's gotta have done it. Yeah. Well I just like doing bad versions of established characters. <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> I've done some Spidey drawings, too, where he's, like, has the mask up and he's drinking a bottle of wine or saying some stupid shit or, you know. <laughs> it's just... Because I, I, I feel like I'm not really going to be able to... I'm so limited with when I get to actually do those characters for those companies that it's sort of like, you kind of just have to do them on your own at yeah, this point. Yeah, totally. Yeah, make weird JL8 bullshit or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, part of me wants to just make weird bootleg mainstream comics and then part of me is like I don't want to do that anyway and that's like time that I could be spending working on my shit I don't know yeah <laughs> I'm I, I I love Batman so much that I do I would love to just do my own like self-published Batman one-shot comic book that'd be fucking rad not in a serious way but in yeah. the more like shitty silly yeah, yeah. absurd that'd be rad way and just kind of it'd be rad to see you do a serious one too though because that's so like not you know what people think of you right you know it sucks, man. I Even if you just took like one of those weird old like Kelly Jones oh, love his shit. scripts and like just redid that story, but just you were the illustrator instead That's of Kelly an Jones. Interesting idea. Because his anatomy is so weird, and those yeah. stories were so strange. Like I have a memory of haunted one. Gotham and all that. Yeah, kind of stuff. Is like that you're talking one, about. There was one where he was like in the sewers with a parrot. I remember on the cover, he's like in the sewer, and there's a giant parrot on his shoulder talking to him. Oh, I don't remember that one. I don't remember any of the specifics. Because there's all those Batman, and then there's one where he's vampire a vampire. One, yeah, the vampire one, Crimson Knight or something. Something. Yeah. Um, it's funny, dude. I did a Batman black and white story for DC when Shrek was still there. He got me the job with um, um, Brian Azzarello writing it. It was just like an eight pager, but it was like back in like. 2001 uh-huh. and it was still my old mm-hmm. super flat mm-hmm. chunky mm-hmm. like clerk style and it's just it, it it's really embarrassing and that was like my it's only i mean it may be well, for, for me, you for me yeah it but, 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 but it's it just, still good it doesn't it obviously doesn't look like anything i would do now yeah. and, and it's it'd be interesting to be able to like play with that stuff now i agree 
But uh, for all of the DC editors who I'm sure listen to this podcast, who just love me constantly shit-talking their decisions with the Watchmen, <laughs> I'm going to call on you to do something good for comics and hire Jim Moffat to with, work on DC. Thank you. Batman with their stuff. decisions about the new Watchmen? Yeah. Or? Yeah, it's fucking despicable. Oh, the reboot? Yeah, the, the, fact that they're, the... the fact that they're using the Watchmen in the DC universe, I think is yeah, fucking I never completely deplorable. read any of that stuff. It's awful. Right? It's so, like... I'm sure you know, Watchmen's a, supposed to be a creator-owned comic, but the way the contract is worded is that yeah. once it goes out of print, then it reverts to the original creators. And since it's the highest-selling comic of all time, it's never gone out of print. No. So and it won't It won't ever. ever. Yeah. Does anyone know how many copies it's, it's sold total? Oh, I have no idea. All I know is the one I have is printing 28. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's the reaction been to your guys' book? Honestly, it's been fantastic the shitty watchman everybody's loved it and we when we were at, i think i told you it when we were at seattle in seattle it sold out on friday that's amazing it's fucking crazy like i'm gonna bring every copy we have to WonderCon this weekend is there a way that you can get one to alan moore I'm trying i don't to i was think, i did some like, internet googling of like can i it's just no no one <laughs> all right It'd be funny if Alan Moore had a post office box that was well, just like. But Steve Ditko let's just is send so it. easy to get a hold of. Like I literally just Googled Steve Ditko address and found it and sent him packages and like I have three. You told different me letters. about that. Yeah, and he responded to yes, your letters. Three right? different letters. Yeah, and he sent me a letter back each time saying, "Don't write me anymore." Every time. <laughs> Every time. Wow. So you're getting a reaction out of him each time, each but time. it's a reaction that says Don't, no more. Yeah, no more. Don't write me. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. The last one, because he, the first one, he, or the second one, he was like, I don't talk about me and I don't talk about my work. Don't ask me any more questions. Don't send me more letters. So the, the third letter I sent him was, okay, I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you personally. I'm not going to ask you about anything about your work, but I've been reading a bunch of your Charlton horror comics yeah. into the Ghostly Manor. And you were working at Charlton right before they collapsed. And I'm just curious from like an art historical perspective, did you see anything at Charlton? That was like shady business dealings that contributed to their demise. I know that they oh, had distribution right. problems, but was the company mismanaged as well from what you saw? And he, he sent me back the longest letter, which was three paragraphs. The first paragraph basically amounted to Charlton's business was nobody's business but Charlton. Don't okay. ask me any questions. Okay. Second one was, you say that you don't ask about me and my work, and yet you asked about my work. Which was like, I was kind of, but... Not really. I don't. Maybe. I don't know. I tried not to. Yeah. And then the third one was the standard boilerplate Steve Ditko. Don't fucking write me anymore. <laughs> wow. Were these handwritten or yes, typed? All handwritten. Yeah. I still have them. To me, that I mean, we've talked about Ditko before when we've seen each other. But yeah. to me, that's amazing. I mean, what an interesting, bizarre. I love him so much. I, yeah. Me too. His work, man, is. And also, I just love that he's this weird hermit, and I love his. If you. uh if you've backed any of his Kickstarters, you know that his publisher, Robin Snyder, writes Kickstarter updates that are almost like missives from a dictator that's been disposed indisposed. Oh, wow. They're amazing. They're fucking batshit crazy. I don't think he knows how to use the internet. And they make me so happy. And I honestly, I buy all of Ditko's mini-comics. Not even for the mini-comics, but for Robin Snyder's updates holy they're shit they're so good and these is this the mr a stuff is yeah, it it's all mr. A, done th- uh, it's, it's all done through kickstarter all now? done through kickstarter they're like usually 20 page mini comics all black and white some uh. some of them are mr a some of them are just random he has a, a new character called the hero which is all pseudo silent crime fighting comics about a guy in a cape with a giant h on his chest they're fucking crazy 
They're okay. amazing. I mean, I'll bring them next time we hang out and yeah. play stuff. They're super weird. What a fascinating dude. And I love that he's just grinding it out. 84 years old, still making mini comics. <sighs> Shit. That's the, there's part of me that's like, that's the fucking life, man. The dream. Yeah. Like you live by yourself, you're deaf, and you hate everyone. And he's you're, deaf? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And if not fully deaf, he's very hard of hearing. That's what I've heard. I know we might have to wrap this up soon, but real quick, did you see the Jonathan Richman thing where he searching for Steve? Oh, Dicko? Uh, Jonathan Ross. Yes, Jonathan Ross. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in search of Dick. In search of in Steve. Ser- Dicko. Yeah. Yes, I have seen pretty, it. Pretty, pretty interesting. Fucking great. Yeah. It's fucking great. And that's honestly that's the reason why I wrote him because I was like, if Jonathan Ross and Neil Gaiman can get can get in there, maybe I'll just write him a letter. Yeah. See what happens. And then he hates me. But I'm gonna when we go to New York next time, I'm gonna go to the just studio to, to the office and, and see what happens. I know what's going to happen. He's going to open the door, look at me, and go get the fuck out of here and close the door. But I will be one of 200 people who've seen Steve Ditko's face. <laughs> right. Hey. What the fuck? Is, yeah. That's your next shirt. <laughs> I've wanted I've been one of the, yeah, yeah. That's a long, it's texty a long, shirt. But it is. It's a, but it'll be worth it. It's worth it. Um, my friend, thank you so much for chatting with me about thank the bullshit. Thank you for having me. It's a uh, blast. Is there anything you want to pimp aside from Magic Socks, which comes out May 17th? May 17th, Image Comics, and people can check out my website is jimmafood.com, and my Instagram, all my social media is just at jimmafood, very simple. And on Instagram, I do daily updates of all the shit I'm working on, and I post... Like my little secret video thing on Instagram, it's all behind the scenes shit of what I'm working on. So if you want to see pencils and stuff, it's they go away after 24 hours, which I yeah. kind of like. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing I reveal like secrets, and then it's just gone. But a bunch of my fans have kind of caught on to that, where they're like, they'll direct message me and be like, "What? No videos today?" Or, or <laughs> like, how, "How are you? What, what are you using?" That's the yeah. that's the number one question. Is like. I'm sure you get this, but yep. like, what what tools are you using? What like, pen is that? Yeah, what pen is that? Yeah. It's like, Always. don't get hung up on the tool, man. You gotta like... Yeah, man, the tool's just a fucking <laughs> way to get your soul on the page. <laughs> Concentrate on the skills, kids. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Comic at theactionhospital.com. Find me on Instagram at xdavebakerx. Same on Twitter. And uh, come find me on the Facebooks. Just Dave Baker. Uh, if you'd like to find the show, it's at meltcomics.com. Uh, and it's obviously named, it's pronounced Zine. <laughs>